Anime Pulse, episode 546. I, Joseph, your host of Anime Pulse, joined by Andrew Chan. Good evening. As we both partake in some of the uh, beverage known as alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yep. Plentiful amounts. I'm all stocked up. Yep. Got wine tonight. You drinking the same as usual? Yeah, the Drambuli watered down. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm getting through it. Um, I thought I'd do a Bumblebee, which is a... a cocktail that my uh father's girlfriend showed me where she she made it and i tested it out but it was a little too strong it was this vanilla vodka with ice and um i think grenadine and a splash of uh drambuli you shake it up and you serve it and it's called the bumblebee huh bumblebee but it was uh, a little too strong. I mean, the oh. Drambuli itself is kind of on the potent side when it comes mm-hmm. to liquor. But uh, the Bumblebee definitely, like, even the first couple sips I had of it, it was like, it's good, but this will knock me on my ass. Like, yeah. I, I, if I continue drinking this, like, I will definitely be, like, feeling it even into the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Well, enough about some alcohol. Let's get into some IRL news. And of course, I will start things off uh, for my piece of news. Now, before you start to say, oh, no, he's going to start talking about Fire Emblem Heroes or Overwatch. (laughs) Don't worry. Uh Uh-huh. I'm mostly done with Overwatch. Fire Emblem Heroes is a different story, but Overwatch, um, (laughs) I've gotten the other achievement for the current seasonal event that's going on, so I'm done with the game. I put it down. Um, Achievement. Yeah, I got the achievement for winning a game of Capture the Flag 3 to nothing, and it was pretty close. Uh, We almost didn't Ah. win it there, but uh, we pulled through. We got that, we got that, and I got the achievement. I was like, thanks for the help, fellas, and I turned the game off, and I put it away. Hmm. 
Anyway, I'll you pull th- it out when what will bring the you next back? season. Yeah. yeah, when the next ah, season right, okay. event comes out, which I believe should be... It might be Uprising? I think it's Uprising is next. Okay. okay. Which will be in a few months' time, I assume? Or... Something like that, yeah. Right now they're doing the Lunar event for uh, Year of the Dog, which will go on for ah. a month or something. And then they'll like end it and then... They'll move on to regular Overwatch for a while, and then they'll bring back uh, another event. Uh, Kill you. Yeah. Uh, apart from that, because I uh, didn't have anything to do. I'm all done with my writing and whatnot for the uh, the artists that I help out. So on Saturday, yeah. after I was done working out, which I'm now up to walking at four miles an hour for a full hour now. I've Very nice. graduated from my 3.5 miles an hour to now 4 miles an hour at an incline of 3.5, which I believe is 3.5 inches. Um, not mm-hmm. terrible. Not bad. Uh, it, uh, it definitely, you can feel the burn. It makes me sweat a lot. And hopefully in a month's or two months' time, I will be able to move on to 4.5. Mm. That's and, good. Get your yeah. heart rate going up, you know. Yeah, I want to do some real cardio. Like mm-hmm, not yeah. what I was doing before, which was like a nice brisk walk, a walk, but this one's getting more close to a jog. Um more ah, okay, of a power okay. walk right now. Mm-hmm. Eventually you're going to are you trying to work it up to like a a decent length jog or something or something like that. I'm my legs are built for endurance, not for speed. Anytime I push them, I can run real fast, but I can only do that for like maybe 5 seconds. Anything faster, and like I just get winded immediately. I'm like one mm-hmm, of those mm-hmm. main protagonists from an anime where like he starts running, he's like, <laughs> 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 it's like he's like he's like Jesus, he's like the weakest character in the school, but for five seconds he is the strongest character in the school. It's like he, he's looking he for Miyako, Miyako Chan, <laughs> Miyako Chan, running through the rain, <laughs> Miyako Chan. Yeah, they have infinite stamina. In, in those shows. Uh, Sometimes without explanation either, just protagonists get the ability to have infinite running stamina. Yeah. Um, although when they do find who they're looking for, they're usually like... <sighs> yeah, they'll collapse there. <laughs> doubling then, over like, in pain. Get worried. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they cared so much that they they went above and beyond their limits. You see, that's that's the reason. The yeah, Indian they went reason. they went to ultra instinct mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, topical <laughs> ultra instinct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, so what I did instead is after I was done with working out and doing my subway, I was like, you know what? I got a gift card to GameStop that uh, mm-hmm. my cousin gave to my father to give to me because i haven't been going to family night and he wanted to give it to me as a christmas present but i haven't seen him since last year so he finally gave it to me so i went to gamestop mm-hmm. and i showed up there like during the last half an hour they were open and i bought four games uh, the first mm-hmm. one i bought which is battleborn i already own the digital version of it but i wanted to buy a physical copy uh, for those uh-huh. of you who don't remember what Battleborn is, it is the game that is like Overwatch that came out right before Overwatch released, and everyone forgot about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. was uh, made by Gearbox, same guys who did oh, Borderlands, yeah. and right now yep. I think it's got about a 
uh, a user base of 500 people. So, oh dear, that's pretty small, actually. Yeah, well, it's basically forgotten, and the project mm. is dead, and mm. it's very sad. Uh, I hear Gearbox, it had a good focus on its story mode, though, more than it Overwatch, did. Like right? it had a yeah. pretty damn good story mode to it. Overwatch's story mode is coming out in bits and pieces and animated features and forums. Um, yeah, but Battleborn it actually had a single well single player. It had a campaign you could play yeah. online with other people. You could play it alone, but there was it was like playing Borderlands alone. It was no fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You can tell how it was intended to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also bought Dishonored too. I oh, love the first right, original nice. Dishonored game. Great game. Uh, playing yeah. as Corvo, sneaking around, not killing anyone. I plan to do the uh, same in this game. In fact, I don't even plan to play the princess because I have no interest in playing the, her because in my game, the way I played it, I didn't kill anyone. I didn't uh, harm anybody. I played the game completely stealthily. So the princess that mm. was raised with me was not a killer. She was not someone who would be in combat. She was very thoughtful, very thinking, and very much a great politician. Um, yeah. But I've already seen what the beginning of Dishonored 2 is like. I know that you get a choice to pick between playing her or Corvo, and I will play Corvo no matter what. Ah, Corvo's your, uh, you're wanting to continue his story because that, that's the you in the first game. So, yeah, exactly. So, it's kind of like how I played The Walking Dead, and my character was Lee. And then they killed Lee. So, spoilers <sighs> for everyone who hasn't played The Walking Dead's original season one. Uh, Lee dies at the end. Uh, very emotional, huh. too. Very, very sad. And then they end up like, oh, now you play Clementine. I was like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not interested. No, thanks. No. I was there to protect Clementine. Now she's on her own. Goodbye, Clementine. Have fun. <laughs> Good luck surviving the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Although I will say that the uh, trailer for the season two of The Walking Dead video game, which is just like uh, Clementine asking Lee if things will ever get better, and it's like panning through all the different locations they visited which are now overrun with zombies. And, and you know, Lee's like, yeah, yeah, we'll get better <laughs> eventually. And then, you know, it uh, just cuts to her smiling and then her being frightened and running away from zombies. And it's like, oh, the feels, oh, the feels. Mm. Still haven't touched that series, but I heard like the story and the uh, characters are very gripping. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I also got my hands on Valkyria Revolution. Um, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually ended up getting the uh, uh, special edition, which was a box that came with a pin, and it came with the uh, soundtrack. Uh, it was on sale at the GameStop. It was not even used. It was brand new. I was like, I'll buy it uh, for 20 bucks, sure. And mm-hmm. uh, I have Valkyria Chronicles. I mm-hmm. want to get into it. I started playing it, but that is a JRPG to the highest degree. And mm-hmm. you need to have a lot of time and effort to put in that game. So that is definitely a game I would play when mm-hmm. I have some vacation time to yeah. plan and use. Yeah, They do seem like a really good mix of like, I mean, you like Fire Emblem games and stuff. It does seem like a good mix between like strategy and a little bit of like, you know, moving around and like, you know, because you get to go into third person perspective and then switch to your different units and move them around. And the characters are all like well-designed anime style characters. So I think it's a series you might get quite a lot out of if you... Yeah, time on it. when yeah. I played it, it because I had played XCOM first, it reminded me of XCOM a bit, mm-hmm. um, and I definitely enjoyed XCOM a lot. And so, mm. 
XCOM going into that was like, ah, eh, this isn't terrible. It's not bad. It's it's got it's got the choices to it, and it's turn based and whatnot. I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it has cool characters, and apparently there's some yep. romance in it. So yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, there's a bit of a, yeah, exactly. So I was thinking, if you like Fire Emblem, you might get into that actually. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the final game that I bought, mm-hmm. my Ooh. shameful purchase. Shameful. Mass Effect Andromeda. Whoa. Is this to hate play it or something? Or This what? is basically to hate play. And yeah. thus far it's been hate play because, um, oh my God, the dialogue is so cringy. Like at one point, wow. Lee, I'm fighting a bunch of these Ket, which are basically like co- uh, collector ripoffs. Like, you know, like, oh, we didn't make it into the final version of the collector. So we got used here as the Ket. And so <laughs> fucking Liam shoots some and he's like, I think I made that one angry. Maybe because I shot him in the face. And it's like, oh, my God, you're so fucking dumb. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... I mean, God, like, damn. at the same time, though, because the, the, it's, it's been a while since it got released now, I'm, I'm guessing that this is the one that they've patched out or fixed some of the facial animations and stuff. It's been patched to hell and back. Um, there was uh... something like nine point six gigabytes of patches <laughs> yeah. for the game that's that's kind of at the same time when i wish there was a way to actually turn them off now because i mean like at the end of the day uh you know a bad game is going to be kind of bad in terms of its writing anyway and the same thing kind of happened with like sonic boom rise of lyric but like they patched that one up to fix all of its issues i kind of want to be able to play the original glitchy version just to kind of you know laugh at how bad it is you know like the facial animations are just meme you know are meme fodder for the internet when it comes to Mass Effect Andromeda, so no, I mean I you kinda, can. I kind of wish they didn't. Oh, you can. You can yeah, turn you just them have off? to go offline. Oh right, okay, cool. Then I would, yeah, I would just totally. That'd be the way I'd play Mass Effect then, um, because it's gonna be, you know, not the best game anyway. Um, so you might as well enjoy the the dumbness to its full while having the faces just, you know. Well, I'd rather have them patch out the game breaking bugs because that's what those oh, patches yeah. also entail. It's not just like course, oh the yeah. facial features which look fucking horrendous and it's not it's also oh, not man. the the really bad um poorly implemented uh design of the ui which goddamn the ui sucks but oh. it's also just like oh you know if you walk over here accidentally you'll fall through the world and everything you're dead or oh, oh if you walk over here a game mm. safe it's gonna corrupt so they fix all that you bought it used though so none of that money goes back to ea does it um, I don't know where the money goes because this was a used copy, so I don't think okay, it goes good. to them at all. That's why I bought <laughs> I it. Like, I was like, all right, yeah. this is like mm-hmm, 13 mm-hmm. bucks for the game. Yeah. Why not? I'll spend the money. Yeah. I, I'd buy it used, you know, as long as it's in, you know, faithfully in the knowledge that none of it gets back to EA, that's fine. <laughs> because yeah. I don't want to support their product. No. I that one in particular. I don't like EA. But um i will say even for all of its faults thus far all of its cringy dialogue it's terrible ui it's graphics which have left me under impressed and it's very um uh janky um combat which just feels so loosey-goosey it like the previously it'd be very tight you'd get behind cover you'd shoot and fire you'd move along things are very streamlined 
This yeah. one is just like everything is coming at you from all angles. So you got to be running around and dashing and, and stabbing and attacking. It feels like you can't play the character I played as Shepard, someone who hides behind covers and takes pot shots and shoots with a sniper rifle. That was my play style. This one, it feels like you have to have like 10 different biotic powers to combine with your 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 teammates so you can lift an enemy up and then shoot a cryoblast at them and then jump in the air and slam them to the ground and then shoot them with full of lead and then dash back and then do it all over again. Uh, so it seems a bit like they've unnecessarily overcomplicated it now. Yeah, like they said, like, oh, you can play any any style you want, but what they did basically was make it so certain scenarios require you to change your character to meet the scenario head on. Otherwise, you're ah. going to have trouble and you're just making it more of a challenge for yourself. Right, okay. So it's not really like you get to choose the way you play. It's like the game is sort of dictating what is actually going to work and what's not going to. It's a bit... Ugh. Yeah, I mean, that, that takes even more of the role-playing out of it, because, I mean, I think the role-playing is like a key aspect of Mass Effect, you know, the the choices and everything that it's known for, the, the you know, dialogue trees, and the yeah. gameplay as well. So And in, in the dialogue, it, it, like, the trees themselves, like... In the previous games, people kind of complained because you would pick something and it literally meant what you were going to say. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any, like, exposition to it. In this one, there's too much exposition. There's too much, like, if you pick this, maybe it's not what you actually mean. Ah, right, okay. So he might not, you, you pick the option, he might say, like, it sarcastically or in a tone that you didn't intend for him to say it in. Like, exactly. You can't interpret, yeah. I see, I see. Yeah, because it's not clear with that. It doesn't give you, like, the Paragon Renegade options anymore. It's like, oh, this is the logical decision, and this is the more emotional decision. This heart here will still mean companionship, but this heart over here means that you're going to be more emotional. But this symbol over here means that, and it's just like, just tell me which one means funny, which one means angry, and which one means good. Yeah. Because that's that's what I liked, and yeah. I got rid of a lot of it. So, but even for all of its faults, for all yep. of its technical glitches and everything else, I gotta say, it's nice to play a Mass Effect game. I do love Mass Effect; it's one of my favorite series. And even though this is the one that has put that series into the ground, good and dead, I'm still gonna play it, and I'm still gonna give my opinion on it afterwards. And yeah. It's probably going to be negative. I am probably going to be upset with how the game mm-hmm. played out because I've already seen a ton of reviews of this game and I know how it's going to play out. Mm. But yeah. I just wanted to experience it myself firsthand to see if it truly is that bad. Yeah. I mean, that's the sad thing about, you know, you know, being a fan and it being one of your favorite series is that, you know, you'll feel the most passionate and you'll notice the most things they've kind of gotten wrong and how much they've missed the point of what made the series appealing. While someone like me, who's only maybe like played a bit of the first game, could go into this and wouldn't be as disappointed but what really hurts people the most is well well the kind of people who get hurt the most by andromeda will be the fans you know people who actually like the series so yeah um but that's all for my uh news yeah. when it came to uh mass effect andromeda um fire emblem heroes so yeah. they put out a couple they put out a new um a new summon. A uh, new summon. Which is a the new banner, focus on yeah. the Corrin and Azura. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That Kong comes Riddle. with its own difficult mission. Yep, yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I 
tried it for Kongoro because I was like, you know what? The one I have is one I brought up from Silver. So she doesn't mm-hmm. have all those, like, the actual stats you would get if you got a gold Kongoro. Mm-hmm. Um, at least as far as I know. Like, she doesn't have, like, the the highest rank tier things that she can have. Like, she can't upgrade her weapon to the final bit because she's not actually gold. Um, mm, I think you need to be at level 40, if I'm not mistaken, to get it to... Is she, is she at level 40? Yeah, she's at level 40. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I figured that you should be able to actually upgrade it. That's weird. I just didn't think she'd have the skill. Like, if she starts out at oh. silver, and you upgrade yeah, um, a silver, like, you don't get mm-hmm. that skill. Uh, well, you unlock the gold one, but you still have to pay SP to get it to that form. You should have it available to you as if, you know, like... So, like, let's say they have, like, a silver sword, and then if you get them to five-star, there's a silver sword plus... If you get them straight away as a 5-star originally, then out of the box they'll have the Silver Sword Plus. But to my knowledge, oh. if you upgrade from Silver to Gold, you can still pay SP, and it's available to you to get it up to that. So so for in Kagero's case, you'd probably pay a certain amount of SP to upgrade her Poison Dagger to a Poison Dagger Plus, and then you can upgrade it further. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. um, so you should be able to. But aside from that, I did get two yep. new Golds. I Ooh, got Soren. Uh huh. From Fire Emblem. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. That's Path of Radiance. Yep. And I got. Uh, Taituli? Tai. Oh, hey. Tai- yeah, I think I, I pronounce it Tile 2 or Tail 2 or whatever. It's the, it's the Blue Mage. Okay, so you got two mages this time. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're both pretty decent, actually. Um, both of them pretty much are like just full on attacking mages, glass cannon, glass cannon types. Yeah, definitely. Um, with like, even at level one, Taituli has a base attack of twenty one, defense of three. <laughs> I was like, ah, yeah. Oh, good joke. She, yeah, falls over at the slightest bit of damage, but you know, hits like a truck. Uh, that's that's a theme with a lot of blue mages in general. I find you don't get many tanky ones, though. You can get some say, tanky red mages. Um, oh yeah, just um, to fit it onto one section, I actually got uh, the Lin that you wanted uh, this week. From oh, the, you um, got my, uh, you got the, uh, was it, um, uh, no, it wasn't the Lin, I didn't want the Lin, I wanted the Liliana. Oh, you, oh, you wanted the, the Lina or something. The, the Lina. Lina, yeah. Yeah, oh, okay, right, I got the Lin this week. And, yeah, I didn't uh, care for Lin's, like, Lin's oh. outfit didn't look very good, I like her base outfit for her brave character better. Ah, okay, mm-hmm, fair enough. Um, so I I got her five stars, and I also got another. You know the um red the red Pegasus knight I wanted from the, um, movement skills banner. You know the one that has yeah. like the three girls there. The one with the green hair. I got Alencia. I got two of her this week actually. So nice. That's been pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good find. But that's all I could report on on my. Have end. you? They've just been really. Oh, sorry. No, have you noticed that um the tap battles, like the tap uh-huh. dungeon. It, it, oh, yeah. You don't you don't need to at all pay attention to anything. You just hit the button like tap 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 tap, and they'll just yeah. continually attack. And it doesn't matter if you get combos or if you get the S rank because that doesn't no. unlock anything. You don't get anything special out of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can just pass by. Yeah. As long as you make it to the end, there's there's no extra reward for S S ranking everything. So yeah, Which I and think also is dumb. like it's dumb. And um, it only matters about the combo amount. It doesn't matter about hit or, you know, if you are trying to high score. So, like, I could only just miss one note, but because of that and it dropped the combo in the middle, I, I'm screwed up getting the S rank, which isn't how all rhythm games tend to work. 
or most rhythm games even. Um, they aren't only just specifically drawn to your combo, although that's a part of it. Also, like the the boss battle, and it doesn't affect your score either. No, it so, just so it's only the, just yeah. means if you got the the combo from before the boss battle. Yeah. So basically, if you want that S rank, you have to not miss a single beat. Mm-hmm. Though when you get to floor one hundred, it's pretty funny because you can at the very end your your party members jump into a hot spring that they find. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, and if, like at the at that time, I had like f- two wyvern two wyvern riders and like a Pegasus knight and a horse person, and <laughs> yeah, they, they all just, jump into the water, and you only see the mounts under them still. Yeah, exactly. You're drowning. And you only them see still. their heads come. Yeah, exactly. You don't see the horse heads coming out or anything. It's just their heads in the water. So presumably their wyverns just died, <laughs> just drowned in the water. So. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Um. But I've been enjoying the game. I've been really getting into giving other people movesets. Like before, when I would get characters that I didn't care about keeping, I would just send them away and get the feathers. Yeah. Now that I have like a shit ton of feathers, I'm like, you know what? Let me take a look to see what you got in your skills. Oh, that's not bad. Uh, mm-hmm. Why don't I feed you to this character? And so yeah. like they give you like, oh, it's like, oh, you don't have an ultimate ability. You don't have a, a big attack. So I'll give you that attack to her. And so I've been doing that lately. And I've been getting ah. really into mm-hmm. that during my lunch period at work where I'll just like sit there. And I'm like, all right, so that goes up with I do that. But uh, she can't use that because she's a, all right. So I'm not even playing the game. I'm just like comparing stats and drawing uh-huh. up Excel spreadsheets on the shit and just like, all right, ah. so the number goes up by 0.2%. So you're being drawn into the stat building and the customizing pack. God, part of the game I can't now. believe I'm yeah, being drawn into it, but yes, I am. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I'm already into that as well. Yes, it's it's this where the added depth comes in, and you know you get to build those stronger teams that will be able to take out the the hardest challenges in the game by the end. So yeah, it'll be good. I don't even um, get into that with Pokemon. Like, I have a oh, friend well. who gets into yeah. breeding Pokemon. So like oh, yeah, he has for IVs? the ultimate stats yeah. and the ult IVs and he'll get like yeah. he goes for like the the shinies so like he gets super really good at like getting lucky with the shinies and I've only ever gotten one shiny Pokemon in mine no wait two shiny Pokemon in my entire history of playing. Does um, that include Red Gyarados? No, because that's given to you. I don't really count that <laughs> as a shiny. Yeah, it is a shiny, but at the same time, it's a hundred percent. You will get mm-hmm. it no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. What I'm thinking of is the uh, the butterfly one that can have like the different designs on its wings. Ah, yeah. Uh, Virilian. I think it's something like that. Virilian. Yeah, I got the I one that has think. like the Pokeball design to it and it was shiny. That's cool. Nice. And the other one I got was the uh, the, the camel with like the volcanoes on its back. Oh, Nummel. Nummel's cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, Camelrupt or whatever it's called. Oh, Camperupt. That is so the evolved form. Right. Yeah. Uh, that one was also shiny. And oh, nice. I just gave them away. I was just like, you know what, friend? You helped me by giving me a Gardevoir egg that was going to be female no matter what. You also gave me... He also <laughs> gave me a uh, uh, a Bunnery egg. Um, Bunnery? My oh, favorite yeah. Pokemon in the game. For... Bunnery and Gardevoir. Yeah. For For reasons. For no, reasons. No. Not not because they're humanoid looking and very sexy. <laughs> well, hopefully you're you're referring to the evolved form Loop Bunny over Bunny are you correct, right? Yes, the Loop Bunny. Yeah. Um yeah. Gardevoir Loop Bunny, uh the new mermaid Pokemon. 
I can't uh, think of the name right now. I can't remember the name of that one. Yeah, I, didn't, I haven't played yeah. it yet. Where I thought, like, oh, that dumb water dog version of her. Like, I'll never play it. And then I saw her final evolve and I was like, God has descended upon the heavens. <laughs> Uh yeah, I'm I'm not so sh- I'm not so sure about the nose. Didn't that have like a like a Rudolph nose to it and stuff? It was yeah, bit... she's got kind of like a little clown yeah. nose to her, but like her final form is just very mm-hmm. pretty. Um, yeah. what else? Oh, and of course, uh, <laughs> fucking Lilligan. Lilligan. Oh right, okay, yeah, that one kind of reminds me of like a, a Digimon or something like Lilymon back in the Digimon days. Yeah, Lilligan yeah. and uh, Lu- Lunar Lunantis. Uh, it's probably an as probably a Sun and Moon one. I yeah, know. she's the yeah. faux uh, faux bug Pokemon. So she looks like a Mantis Pokemon, but she's actually a a, a Grass type. Ah, okay, okay. So it's like a it's like a fake one. It's like a fake yeah. And bug. her design as a Mantis kind of is like Geisha, with like the long sleeves and whatnot. So oh, yeah. it, it, I liked it a lot, and I was like, "Yes." And then I saw what kind of how big they are, and I was like, "My God, they're as big as a human!" Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I was like, "I'm right. surprised." I thought they'd be tiny because most bug Pokemon are. Holy shit, that thing was big! Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. enough about Pokemon. I want to stick my dick into. Let's uh, talk about what your RL news is. Okay. Uh, well. This you mentioned it kind of with the Overwatch thing. This this um, week is Chinese New Year, so that happened. So I'm up in Scotland right now, uh, visiting family for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actual celebrations will be over the week, though, because you know our family tends to work over the weekends. Right. Um, I already mentioned the Brave Lynn. The only other thing to really worth mentioning is that I also went to go see the new Black Panther movie yesterday. Oh, what you think of it? So the most recent Marvel. I think it was decent. It was okay. Like it wasn't it was for a film that's like two hours and fifteen minutes long, it, it kept my attention. Yeah, it's pretty long. But it the that's the best thing I can say about it is despite its length, I wasn't really bored for any part of it. Like it, there wasn't many moments where I was looking at my watch and been like, Oh, when's this gonna be over? So it did keep my attention and I think I was, you know, entertained throughout it. And that's kind of the best thing I can say, is like it's good. Um, but there's like there's not really that much in it that really like wowed me. There's you know it it looks a lot better than some other Marvel films out there. Um, maybe not as good as something like Thor Ragnarok or something because I haven't watched that one yet. Or maybe like Guardians of the Galaxy. But it does have a lot more color than some of the other Marvel films that I've seen in the past to it. Um, you know with the costume designs and that and stuff. It, the costume designs in the world is quite well realized. The effects are kind of so so. Um, but you know I I do like the character somewhat I, I think the villain's quite is actually kind of got the best story out of the bunch he's more interesting than the black panther himself um and um i kind of wish for a superhero film it had more action like that's another thing i would criticize i think it should have had more action overall but yeah overall it was enjoyable i had enough beers to get me through it uh, it was um if i was to give it a rating out of 10 i'd give it a 6 out of 10 so yeah it's pretty okay that was a good film um but I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't put it as like my best Marvel film I've ever seen. Like it's not. I don't think it's as good as something like Iron Man, or like Guardians of the Galaxy, which I preferred. Something like those. It wasn't as funny as some of those, and it wasn't even like as serious as some of the other ones either. So I don't know. Somewhere in the middle. Um. But yeah. Apart from that, I can just move straight into comments then, for the week. We got um. 
another comment on episode 544 with the previous part 3. And this is partially um, a reply to Paltier at the start from Midnight Crew. So Midnight Crew says, I agree with Paltier that you should try to keep the IRL news more brief, which we might already be breaking today. I don't know how long we're going at this already. Uh, yeah, it's fine. Ugh, yeah, anyway. Um, possibly fill the time they'd normally take by discussing topics suggested by the community or something you've already con- uh, connected more with. Oh, wait, sorry. Or something. You've already connected more with the community since Andrew began hosting, so it could be a nice continuation of that approach. Um, I've also got some comments on the shows you previewed because I just love comparing and contrasting opinions. So here comes some uh, shows he's going to mention that we've already previewed. Takagi-san I'm pretty split on. On one hand, the strong young love undertones are pretty damn cute. But on the other hand, it's starting to wear on me how Takagi always wins. Even in the games of random chance or scenarios where she ought to be completely unprepared or unable to counter Nishikata, it's like the universe itself conspires to make sure she never, ever loses at anything no matter how little sense it makes. And it gets kind of tiresome. And, well, it's getting tiresome. Junji Ito's collection is another mixed bag. Some of the stories really nail the spooky and unsettling vibe and have a decent animation others, uh, others l- lack in both departments. In both cases, most of the quality comes from the source material being good. Animating them doesn't really add to the stories and more often, they do not, and more often than not, they just plain subtract from them. At least they give Junji Ito some more time in the spotlight, which is good. And then finally, Franks, which is the darling in the Franks that you previewed, is another mm-hmm. odd one. For the first four episodes, it seems like it was just a weird action mecha show with some minor drama and crazy sexual undertones, but little depth. Yet episode 5 hits and brings both great animation and a lot of fleshing out of character relations, progressions, and the se- severity of the scenario. I was originally convinced that Franks would end up being another crazy and stylish action romp like Kill the Kill. But it seems like it, uh, it, to really want to focus on proper drama, despite how ludicrous the setup with the doggy style over uh, dot powered mechas are, uh, and all that. <laughs> <laughs> it got me firmly hooked, and that's it for this week's lengthy rant, crew. So, anything to to add about Frank's in response to that? I will say that I'm very much enjoying Frank's thus far. Um, uh-huh. I was worried it like it. It teeters the gray line between too much drama and not enough action. Like, it keeps going back and forth, back and forth. And it's almost, it's like someone walking a tightrope. And it's just like, oh, no, it's got to be too much. And then, like, this most recent episode that came out was like, okay, they they definitely made it, like, I felt like Giga Jill Breaker moments came out. And I was like, holy shit, this is pretty good. And yeah. then they showed like this like blonde dude who I'm like, oh no, it's a romantic rival for Zero Zero Two. No, romantic. Shit. Ri- oh, right. You mean like a was... uh, romantic rival for the guy or the girl? Like another guy comes along. Oh yeah, there's another guy. It's this blonde oh, dude, okay. and he's talking about Zero Two as if he knows her name, which I think he. What, I forget what he calls her, but I was like, oh no, he's talking about Zero Two. No, he's. He's a romantic rival. He's gonna show up and be like, "I can pilot her better." And then so it's like pi- the dreaded love triangle is gonna come in. Yeah, like he'll pilot her, and then like he does really well, and then, um, then our main protagonist gets all butt hurt because he's like, "Well, I thought I wrote her really well." <sighs> so I'm still, I'm still like super happy. Like I really like it, and it had some really cool moments to it. Um, yeah. And I really do like the 
relationship, like how open our main male protagonist is with Zero Two, where he's just uh-huh. like, you know, I want to be there for you. And even at like one point, he's like, you know, I found another reason to continue living, to continue being here. And she's like, well, what is that? And he's like, I want to be your wings. And it's like, oh, my God, Uh he is so fucking romantic boss in this. He puts all other male protagonists in harems to shame. Mm. Of course, except like it's definitely an improvement over like the start. I think it was episode two or three I've watched up to, where like he literally because I mean if you're gonna take the symbolism of of, like them piloting the mecha with their partner as like you know an allegory for them basically doing it, um, there's like an episode where like the that I I got up to where like this gung ho guy wants to like take her for himself and like be because he thinks that he deserves to pilot her. And obviously he fuck, he fucks up by the end, but the main character is just like in that episode is like, hey, I think you should you should have him partner with him instead. She's like, are you sure? And I'm just like, he literally because this word gets thrown out quite a lot, but like he actually in a literal sense, if you take the symbolism to heart, he's actually cucked himself. <laughs> but like, yeah, I'm well, going to choose to I, watch you. Yeah, I felt like that too, and I felt it would have worked better in that scene if he had been a little yeah. bit more open, which it made sense yeah. later on when he like confesses and basically pours his heart out to zero two how he he's like i'm sorry i didn't want to say this you know this honesty and she's even like she even um after he confesses her she's like you know no one's ever said such embarrassing things to me before and he's you know he's like that it's the first time for me too um Uh but in that scenario if it had been me it would i think it would have been worked out better if it had been like well no, I'm not okay with it. I don't want you to ride with him. I want to ride with you. I want to be the one there with you. But my friends are going to die and I can't go out because they won't let me. And there's nothing I can do about that. So please go with him. Oh, sorry. So. Yeah. That's what I, uh, that's what I felt about that that scene. Ah, I see. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I've, I'm only on episode three at the moment, so maybe like that scene that you're talking about hasn't happened quite yet, where he actually pours his heart out, and that maybe makes it more a bit more sense. But now I get it. He's the awkward guy at the start. He's never had anybody really like. Like there was a girl who clearly liked him, but she wasn't open enough about it at the start. So he's felt kind of like he's never belonged. Well, I mean, until she this... she tries to even partner up with him, but yeah. like. When they do two. their partnering up thing, like she even says it after he's like he done he's done messing up partnering with her, she's like you were mm-hmm. awful, which I feel yeah. is of course another allegory to sex. Like basically he's maybe he's too rough or something, or the way yeah. he quote unquote pilots the girl's butt <laughs> uh-huh. that like she just didn't enjoy, um, and all the girls describe that the you know the feeling the sensation in different ways. Uh, you know, like the the blonde girl who's kind of like the one who has that uh, the fat dude who's with her all the time. You know, she's like, I hope I get used to the feeling soon. And then uh-huh, you, yeah, know, yeah. Mm-hmm. you got the more like the Kudere girl who's the one who has the who has the uh, uh, the purple the purple robot uh, um, with the glasses. She got the glasses. Yeah, glasses. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. How mm-hmm. she she doesn't enjoy it. She doesn't like the feeling at all. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, like, she starts so. to get used to it, and then she starts to enjoy it, which mm. is it's nice to see. Like these, like it's basic. You know, I, I don't think we can say it anymore. The these are pilots are having sex 
with their with the minds of their robot waifus. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no escaping it. They, 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 they're pretty forthright with this. So, yeah. They're basically yeah. doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, um, there was also another comment on the last episode we put up, uh, episode 545, from Palatir. Uh, it's It kind of left, leaves on a cliffhanger because he says, wow, just wow. Lots of thoughts to unpack here, but no time. I'll leave the first uh, the first on this Strat Boob Cafe. So I, I'm guessing the stuff to unpack was the stuff when you were talking about the fan pulse stuff and past relationship, but we'll, we'll, we'll hear what he has to unpack later on, I guess, when he has time. But okay. in terms of the strap, the boob strap cafe thing, he says, are the Japanese familiar with the push-up bra? Like, does the, uh, it does the same thing. It seems like they don't need a pop-up store. Why not give all the waitresses a purse to wear? I question the ability of this to survive anything but a pop-up shop with a lot of, I'll just go for the hell of it. Would the Japanese freak out if a Hooters or, or a Twin Peaks? Interesting thoughts. So that was his comment on the last episode. It was obviously in regards to the um, news article about the breast slash cafe that was opening opening temporarily in Shinjuku for a bit, but... Uh, I also would like to forward you this week's forum question, just so you can think of your answer while I read everyone else's up. But well, it was Valentine's Day this week, as you may or may not know. And mm-hmm. um, my question this week was, is there a couple you've ever seen in an anime that makes you just a little bit jelly? Makes you want what they have in a relationship? What is it between them that justifies you killing one of the two and taking their place? Happy Valentine's Day. So that's the question that I'd like you to think over while I read over their other replies so you can maybe come up with one um, that strikes you. So the first answer I got was from Midnight Crew, who's usually a commenter on the site but has recently joined the forums. Uh, And he says, You're asking a tough question. Actual proper relationships are damn rare in anime. You've either got shows teasing possible relationships without ever getting there, or you've got couples of the I am a girl with special powers, but I need a partner to fully unlock them. I have chosen you, Variety. Actually, that kind of sounds like Frank's when he puts it that way. Uh (laughs) One of the most interesting relationships in recent years for me probably be the one uh, between Sanae and Hanabi uh, in Scum's Wish. Not perfect, not because it's perfect, but because it's not. Lesbian relationships in anime are usually given a lot of gloss and are portrayed as as these pure, clean things, which makes it quite refreshing to see one where there's a lot of very unpleasant and abusive behaviour that's explored in a mature way. Happy Valentine's Day, crew. Oh, also, P.S. I, fi- I finally figured out which animal is referred to in the question you get when you try to sign up for this forum, so here I am. Uh, who knew a dumb and fanciful... A dumb and fan servicey action show could be so useful. I think he's referring to Killing Bites because the animal in question is the honey badger, which, you know. If you haven't listened to Manga Pulse, you actually wouldn't know which animal it's asking you when it does that, you know, security question. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next answer is by Paltier. Um, gotta agree with Midnight here. On the whole, anime is trash at relationships if they get together at all. Aside from the last episode, uh, a breakdown would be another long post by me, so I'll save it for a later date, or until I have a beer. Relationships are messy, complicated, and require work, and mostly end up in a breakup. Uh, especially early ones, which is why I roll my eyes at the mock happy ever after bullshit they always play with high school types. To get back on track, what relationship would I be jealous of? Clearly just about any harem type. I mean, that's the point, isn't it? You have a girl of any type at your disposal. Love Hina is basically the archetype here. 
Though in reality, I know that you could never have a relationship that could function like that outside of a cult. I guess I'll go with Renton and Eureka from Eureka 7. Uh, they like each other, they have an honest-to-God communication issues, but they seem to make a good pair. So yeah, that's his answer for that question. And the last answer we have this week is from Yotaru Vegeta, who says, My brain dictates that I must post the first couple that came to my brain. Uh, Futaba and Hikari are a couple. Question mark from Amanchu. I, I guess I should have clarified. You could you could say them even if they're not canon couples. It's, it doesn't really matter. AKA the scuba diving anime, which is I don't know about a gay couple or totally not. Anywho, I love these two because Futaba is the straight lace, scared to try anything type, and Hikari is the wild girl who is basically a force of nature. Uh, I love a couple who bring out the best in each other, and I hope to see these two for real get together. Plus, I'm jealous of the weird of all the weird faces these two make. So that's uh, those two from Amanchu. He posted some images there. So what about you, Joseph? Do you have any? Do I have any? Oh. A couple, yeah, main couples that, you know, from all of anime where it's like. Or main... you can even make up any. You can make up a pairing if it's not canon, if you want. I'm just like, I think they work together because, you know, and they want it. Uh, hmm. I mean, there's so many couples that come to mind that do work. Mm. Uh, I mean, Kirito and Asa. What would you be most jealous of? What, yeah. Oh, oh, jealous? Yeah. What one would jealous. you like? What would you personally would you want the most between the two? You know, like, oh, I like the chemistry these two have. I'd like that chemistry sort of thing. <laughs> jealous? Uh, maybe. Um, uh, any. Any relationship that involves a yandere girl or just <laughs> like a stalker yeah. girl mm-hmm. where, you know, like the guy doesn't necessarily, uh, for instance, like, um, Ainz and Alibeto or Alibeto from, uh, Overlord. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Where Ainz basically doesn't have to do anything. He can just be like there in the room with her. And mm-hmm. she will like be freaking out and trying to jump on his D all the time. And I even was like, I was tempted recently to go and read the wiki because I wanted to see like, oh, this character sounds really cool. Was she this character? And I wanted to just confirm to see whether or not she was. And so I like started doing that thing where you dig deeper and deeper into the wiki. Right. And I found at one point something that wasn't animated uh, that didn't make it into the anime was a rape scene where Alberto uh, basically oh, almost forces uh, Ainz to have sex with her. Um, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and then he locks her up in solitary confinement for four days. Yeah, that's a no-go. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was just like, that's the kind of woman I want. That's the kind... <laughs> Where it's just like, I want to come home and be, you know, the wife be like, do you, you want me or do you want me or do you want me? And I'm like, can I have dinner ah. first? Oh, so you want me? <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> but do you, do you wonder, like, if it's like, it's maybe like it works best as a fantasy, but like, if it was in real life, would you be able to kind of deal with that? Because <laughs> like. Oh, yeah, I've dealt with this before. I've had stalkers. Um, oh really? Oh, and okay. it's it's very simple to work out. You just 
you allow them to do what they want and it makes them happy. And then at the end of the day, when you're talking to them, you just have to make sure you don't piss them off. And when they ask you questions about your day, you don't lie because they've been following you around and watching everything you do. Huh. Okay. Um, <laughs> would it be too much to ask how those in, uh, relationships ended or? Uh, that relationship ended. Her name was Carrie, by the way. Um, that relationship ended with me moving and then meeting ah. her again in BOCES and then talking to her over the phone where she started like really getting back into the stalker vibe again, but then me moving again. So I kind of lost track of her and she lost track of me. Ah, so she wasn't she wasn't fully resolved in her in her stalking. No, no, I don't <laughs> think she was like she was more resolved as a stalker when we were younger, like following me around all ah. the time and never letting me out of her sight. <laughs> But when she got older, I guess she, like, just lost that resolve. But she still knew she, who I was. Even, like, mm-hmm. I walk into... I remember seeing her again for the first time where I walk into Bosi's detention to give a key back to the detention center that my teacher wanted me to hand back to them. Um, and I remember walking in there. I handed them the key. They were giving me some kind of paperwork to bring back to my teacher. And I am si- standing there, and all of a sudden I hear joey and i i'm look down and i see this girl and i'm like and, she, and i'm like yeah and she's like it's me carrie and i was like who <laughs> jesus don't you remember we knew each other when i was younger and i like kept looking and i was like oh my god the stalker <laughs> <laughs> did you say that out loud no i didn't say that out loud i think that would have <laughs> hurt her feelings yeah, um, yeah, yeah, or maybe <laughs> may would have made her feel very happy. But then I was like, "Oh my, I do remember you! Holy shit!" Mm. And then she like she started like harping on me big time, and I was like, "Cool, well I'll see you at graduation." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. But so there's so would, your example from an anime would be the 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 pairing from from Overlord then. Overlord, yeah. Um, yeah. Or really any anime that features a Yandere character, a girl that is highly involved in the guy, even if the guy mm. isn't as involved with the girl. Right. Uh, like, I'm, I'm surprised this doesn't come up as much, given like you, you like Yandere characters. Uh, how come... What about Yuno Gasai from like, Mirai Nikki? Isn't she like the, the poster child for the Yandere-style character? Yes, that is very true. Um, but I don't like the fact that um, uh-huh. Yuki in that yep. relationship is so put off by it. Like, he doesn't like her following him around. He doesn't like her stalking. Uh, this is, of course, all at first. He doesn't really get into her, and he just feels like using her. Um, right. Like At one point, he even runs into another couple who kicks his and Yuno's ass. And the guy in that couple is like, are you a fucking weak cuck boy? Are you some douchebag? Like, my girlfriend got raped and I was was still there for her and I killed all those fuckers. You're just using your girlfriend even though she wants your D so bad. Like, you are a fucking piece of shit. And I was like, yes, he is. He is. Very (laughs) much so. Uh, mm. That's why I didn't like that relationship. So he, like, took advantage of her, her neediness, basically. Right, because he was going to use her to fulfill his ends. And Yuno was completely fine with that because she loved him, and it just meant her being close with him. But mm. to me, that was just like, no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't use a Yandere or anyone who was, like, super into me to 
you know, meet my own ends. I mm. would, I would be very accepting of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. I guess. I guess for for uh, my response, um, the only, not the only, but uh, the the top couple that comes to mind for me, at least at the moment, that I put into relationships, I kind of like. Would still. I, I've mentioned it before, but I, I really like the pairing of Kioma and Christine, Christina from Steins Gate. I think that's a good matchup. Christina. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just. I think I like the way they they play off each other. You know, they 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 are meant. They're intellectually equal but then you know their personalities balance out just the right amount of way you know they they get on each other's nerves but just not just enough where they you know they're they're still friends at the end of the day and i i kind of like the way they match up and the ending scenes that they have um are very bittersweet in the in the show if you haven't watched that show i think everyone's probably seen the show who's been remotely interested but if you haven't watched science gate everybody says it's great and it is true it's great so but one of the best things about it i'd say is like the relationship between Kyoma and the other side characters, in particular Christina. It's it works. I think time travel narrative really, it, it, the time travel narrative really works to help develop that sort of thing because you know he'll remember things that she did that she won't remember in the next timeline, and it helps build up that picture you have of oh in this scenario she would be like this or in this scenario he'd be like this you know, so I think that's always a really good way of looking at relationships whenever time travel is involved. But you know. You never know. So that that would be my answer for that one. But just just to fully round out that question. Yeah, I think that does it for the forums, though. Unless you have anything else. Okay. To no, I got nothing. Mm-hmm. Which I believe brings us into our industry news. Yes. Yep, I okay. expect the sound effect still. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no sound effect, my friend. All right, so industry news. We got two pieces for me, one piece for you. I'll jump right into mine. So there's this thing called the virtual YouTuber. It's basically people who uh, go to YouTube and are YouTubers, uh, do vlogs and whatnot, but they do it through a... Uh, virtual interface you don't see the actual person you see a avatar and in this case the avatar was a cute young anime cat girl uh calling herself nora cat and she's got white hair with piercing red eyes and kind of wears like a frilly dress and you know she's in like this manor kind of place and she's got like a cute kind of hatsune miku voice to her Mm-hmm. So no one knows who, who that YouTuber really is. And the YouTuber, NoraCat, had 55,000 subscribers attracted to their channel. Well, the virtual <laughs> YouTuber recently had a bit of a glitch on screen and uh, showed who NoraCat really is. A middle-aged dude who looks closer <laughs> to the stereotypical fat otaku than the stereotypical otaku waifu. Yeah. <laughs> Which... Which I heard didn't just lose him some subscribers, but it also gained him some subscribers as well, to be fair. Yeah, so basically so, what happened was some people were like, you know, they weren't willing to let the fantasy die. They're saying that it's not any different than a sexy or beautiful anime girl being drawn by an artist who's a middle-aged man. That's right. And that therefore, mm-hmm. seeing the face of Nora Cat's creator doesn't change how they feel about the character one bit. 
They fell yeah. in love with the character, not in love with the man behind the curtain. Yeah. Mm. However, the added wrinkle here is that Nora Cat's movements and voice, of course, all correspond to literal movements that her character is making. All those oh, yeah, peace yeah. signs and cute little twirls she's doing, that's her <laughs> character. That's her creator doing them. That's the dude. Uh huh. I, yeah, I don't want to imagine that part. <laughs> yeah. Well, mm-hmm. as you said, the event did actually lose her some subscribers, but it also gained her some as well. Uh, some people saying that there's a subliminal connection to Kabuki theater, which has long appreciated the uh, techniques of a man convincingly adopting the mannerisms and vocal patterns of a beautiful woman. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I guess I guess it's similar to like how drag in the West, you know, it's was it it's orig- the original versions of that was all the way back in Shakespeare days when they did those plays because back then men played women's roles and so they dressed in drag initially. So yep, that's true. I guess it's sort of similar to that. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, we live as a. Uh... Kirakawa893 tweeted, uh, we, living, we are living in a cutting-edge society where middle-aged otaku dudes are falling in love with other middle-aged otaku dudes. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe not you know, face-to-face, but via their avatars and video games and whatnot, and they are more than happy to marry their avatars and live peacefully like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, people can share a, people can share a waifu, I suppose you can share a you know, another fictional such character that's got happens to have a guy behind it. But you know, what you saw was well, those memories you shared with that fake character. They were still, they those still were real, I guess. To some, I don't know, to yeah. rationalize it. What do you, what are your thoughts? <laughs> what, what's your? I'm completely fine with it. I mean, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if I saw Nora Cat come up in in a video of some place, and I was like, oh, it's. Mm. Uh, it's a dude. It, it's definitely a dude behind that girl. And like, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me at all if, like, all of a sudden there was yeah, a glitch exactly. and like a dude showed up, and I was like, "Oh yeah, so that confirms it." So yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, you've played MMORPGs in the past, you know, where it's like, yeah. you, you see a bunch of you know female avatars all the time, and you're thinking it's probably a guy. It's probably a guy. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, come on, this is WoW we're talking about. World of Warcraft. There were guys, oh, nerdy fat otaku. Uh, nerdy people who were playing um, that race that looks like a bunch of succubuses but with blue skin. Uh, dark elves? No. I, is that no? Not, Durani? Not dark elves. Durani? I I don't know which World of Warcraft. <laughs> Someone could say if they know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think I know which one you're talking about though. It was on the cover to the box. World of Warcraft races. Here it is. It's uh. Mm-hmm. The the. Darani, D-R-A-E-N-E-I. Darani, yeah, I guess. Pronounce draai. 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 That's nothing at all how it was spelled, <laughs> but okay. They are huh. uncorrupted Eldar who fled their homeworld of Argus and again from uh, Draenor. <laughs> right. So yeah, they very, got uh, yeah. they got hooves mm-hmm. for feet. Um, oh. they have yeah, they got uh, hooves for feet. They got uh, horns that come out of their head. Um, and so that's why I said they kind of look like a succubus. 
they also kind of like from that description if they've got hooves and like horns they're kind of like satyrs styres you mean is that how you pronounce it yeah, styres I, I don't know I always pronounce it satyr I don't know uh, but yeah yeah so okay. um, yeah that that would be uh, that would be like a guy playing that character and being like I'm sexy and hot and all the guys are like oh she's so hot look at the fucking the avatar on this girl and then mm-hmm. it's just like hey fellas how's it going <laughs> it's like no get away <laughs> and then there's the one that it's like I'm okay with this yeah, yeah exactly there'll be some guys who'll be like I'm surprised this is surprising I'm surprised of how okay I am with this yes uh, keep talking <laughs> I'll keep it a secret if you go out with me on a date Referencing oh, that past boy. story. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <sighs> well, yeah, yeah, so that's my first piece of news. Nora Cat, okay. the YouTuber unmasked. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I'll be moving on to my only piece of news this week. It's not really a big one either, but it's, I guess it's kind of big because Dragon Ball Super, which is one of the, you know, everyone knows Dragon Ball, is coming to a close in about three more episodes left this season. And I think that'll be it kind of ended maybe permanently. They they said that the series isn't over, but I don't know about if they mean Super or just the franchise. Obviously, the franchise isn't going to die because they make so much money off of it. But yeah, they have. Uh, there's kind of been sort of a leak, I guess, because, you know, people in the West wouldn't normally have seen these. But based on scans of Japanese magazine, the V-Jump magazine scans, uh, it's revealed that Goku has yet another new form in it. Uh, and this one has um, got grey hair. It's titled the Mastered Ultra Instinct Form, which is a follow-up from the Ultra Instinct Form that he actually has been using already in the current arc, which is the Universe Survival Arc, in which his hair stays black, but his eyes go kind of grey, and he gets this weird twinkly aura around him that I guess they're taking advantage of computer technology they wouldn't have been able to use back in the Z days, but... Now it's it seems that like he masters it by the end of the arc and now has sports silver hair. The article in question, if you click in the click on the link when you're listening to this, has um, two images. One of which is actually drawn by Toriyama himself, which is him clothed in a more skinny form. And then there's also another illustration in the magazine, which is his the version that will be in Dragon Ball Super's anime itself. Um, yeah, it's just yet another color to add to the the many forms that exist in Dragon Ball, especially the ones in Super. Like, eventually, it's it's starting to sound a little bit like the Green Lantern series, where like you know, at first there was just Green Lanterns, and then there's like all the different colors of the rainbow in Green Lantern. Now, in, in Dragon Ball Super, you had Super Saiyan Red, then Blue, then Rose, which I thought was the stupidest. Uh, and then there's you know the canonized Broly, so there's kind of a green Super Saiyan and. Now we get silver or gray, depending on which which way you want to put it. So, I don't know. There's a lot of different forms. Yeah, you'd expect, you know, typically you'd expect gold to be higher up, but I guess they kind of already did that because, you know, regular Super Saiyan's kind of yellow, kind of gold. I don't know, like, they can't really go more gold than that, given it 2D, well, that's 2D art style. Right, right now, it goes from gold to platinum. Right, col- so the silver is platinum. platinum. Right, okay. It's silver. Right. Ah, okay. I, I see what you did there. Okay. I guess I could kind of buy that as as the logic behind it. Um, 
But you know, they flip the cannon on its head multiple times where it's like, I remember when, back when Battle of the Gods film first came out, which was like, you know, the precursor to, to Super, um, and Toriyama said, oh, the reason that Super Saiyan God is red is because red is the most intense color or something, and it's the most powerful color of the fall. And it's like, wait a second, then why is blue? That's why it made people like me think that when they released Super Saiyan Blue, I thought, oh, maybe the blue one is weaker than red, but so red's more special. But no, no, red is weaker than blue. And then there's Ultra Instinct above that. And who the hell knows what Rose is for? Rose is just... It's never explained, and I'm glad they don't explain it, because I think Rose is stupid, but, you know. That's, right. Then there's, like, that... Then there's, like, another form that's, like, fake Super Saiyan God. Like, there's not really a canon name for it, but it's, like... Trunks gets this form that's, like, kind of, like, half Super Saiyan God, half Super Saiyan... It's stupid. It's just... They, they, they have so many forms in this in this show, but most of them revolve around hair, hair color changes only. It kind of feels like they've they've taken influence from, like, the, the world of deviant art, where, like, you know, like, there's all these different forms that, you know, like, are usually clickbait thumbnails on YouTube saying, like, oh, look at this! It's Super Saiyan 5! And it's, like, really long hair, and it's all silver. But this one's actually canon, so there you go. Uh, also, this form has been announced as DLC. If you're own, if you're a proud owner of the Dragon Ball Xenoverse game, uh, Xenoverse Two, um, the um, mastered Super Saiyan, no, the mastered Ultra Instinct form will be a DLC character in that as well. So, just thought I'd tag that on at the end. So, there you go. This form is gonna make him probably faster and stronger than his previous forms, just like all the other forms were at one point. I don't know, but yeah. All right. Yep. Oh, my last piece of news here is kind of a follow-up to a bit of news I did last week about uh, the industry versus pirating. So mm-hmm. sales of physical manga compiled books fell about 12% in Japan last year. Uh, while many people are pointing the fingers at piracy websites, some think that files to address the other key issues related to manga sales. One such person is the uh, uh, Yatare Kamo Linkai, or the Almost Got Laid Committee, manga creator Takashi Yoshida. The Huffington Post Japan website discussed the matter with Yoshida via email and posted his comments Friday. Yoshida believes manga publishers and piracy sites are stuck in an endless loop of repetitive behavior because publishers fail to have a productive response he told the huffington post japan before trying to crush pirated versions there are things that should be done he said i think they shouldn't crush pirated versions but as businesses they should compete to win taking legal measures and shutting down piracy sites is completely meaningless and counterproductive because people have a natural attraction to convenience yoshida believes that Simply attacking illegal distribution, who often offer easy and free access to manga, is ineffective. While reproducing and distributing written materials without permission is illegal in Japan, only reading pirated manga is generally not seen as unlawful. Kind of like how owning cocaine and crack and stuff like that is illegal, but actually using it is not. Ah. Piracy sites are illegal. But I think publishers and publishing industry members' current reactions to that are the worst, Yoshida said. He wants industry members to evaluate if the problem of books not selling really originates from piracy sites or if there are other contributing factors. 
Yoshida noted that pirated versions of manga have existed for many years, and although some illegal distribution has been thwarted, physical manga sales have continued to decline since 2005. So there you have it, folks. Even manga creators, people who have their stuff pirated, say it's not piracy's fault. In fact, it's Mm -hmm. really more a fault of the fact that people are just like, hey, it's free. And someone's making it able to be read by my language in my country for free. Yeah, yes, it's not even there. just free, it's availability. Exactly. What yeah. needs to happen is if these publishers want to compete, they have to have the online digital versions. And, you know, maybe you, you don't charge like the 20 bucks that it costs to buy a manga. You charge something less, you know, or... Even offer uh, like different services that you can get where um, licensed anime or and manga is just readily available. Kind of like how Crunchyroll does it. You know, Crunchyroll mm. started out as that pirate website that just put out free stuff, but now they have connections to the industry and they put stuff out streaming live from Japan. Yeah, mm-hmm. they they what are, like, we what we simuldubs are not a thing. Where they dub it in the same yeah. week as it gets it, yeah. Mm-hmm. What we need to do is we need to make publishers connect with these sites and basically be like, "Hey, I know you're doing all this stuff. You have a good setup, and you have like fucking millions of readers. How would you like a partnership?" And like yeah. they work out some mm-hmm. kind of deal where, kind of like Crunchy will, people are paying for the service. Like, Country Roll didn't die because they started charging people to watch the stuff. No. Maybe, you know, charge them for the higher-res versions because you can go to Crunchy Roll and you can see something as long as you sign up for something, but you can only watch the 480p or 720p version. You want to watch that 4K version? Fork over the dough, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are systems and where you can do that with manga as well. You know, by and large, people, like you said, are after the convenience. They're not after the fact that they can just straight up steal it all the time, you know. But it's the convenience. No, and I mean, so, mm. Yeah, as I said before, when when I've seen something that I've liked, even though it's not convenient for me to go and buy it, there is no reason for me to do that. I've read it in its entirety. Yeah. I'll buy it because I want to support the creator. I want to be like, hey, this was good. Yeah. Keep doing this. Yeah, I've done that too. Where it's just like, you know, Go, you know, even though I've read it, I will just find the volume. And it just kind of looks nice on the shelf, you know? It's like a try before you yeah. buy sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just well, basically, that... the, I guess the key moral is that they just need to adapt to modern day ways of, like, selling and buying things. You know, it's just, these aren't brand new things in the West. There's all sorts of strategies you can adapt when you do an online service. So. Yeah, you got a bunch of dinosaurs living in the 20th century. Yeah, pretty much. Long and short of it. Yeah. Well, I think that does it for our news. Why don't we get into our now joint review? And you okay. may be wondering, what what are you joint reviewing? <laughs> well, we're joint reviewing a clocksmith's wet dream. Clockwork Planet. Yep. <laughs> a this 2017 is, this is, anime. Uh, 
Yeah, this is quite the uh, quite the anime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. Like, did you watch it as it was coming out? Um, when it was yes, like week by week. Yeah, because when when it was first announced, um, like I already was aware of the manga, but I hadn't read it. But it was one of the ones I was pretty excited for, just by the concept and stuff, and that you know the character designs looked quite appealing. So I was quite excited for this one originally. Going in, but I suppose we could we okay. could start from the top, uh, like a synopsis. A good, probably a good place to start. Let people who know know what what kind of story this is going in. All right, all right. Uh, so basically, there was Earth, and yep. then humans fucked it all up, and yeah. then a clocksmith by the name of Y, mm-hmm. just Y, the letter Y, uh, was like, "Don't worry, bros, I got this. I will <laughs> recreate the world out of clock parts." And yeah. the world said, but how are you going to get all the metal and stuff? He's magic. Yep. Oh, okay. And then we don't know what happened, but suddenly the world was made out of clock parts. Yep. Where do the humans mm-hmm. go? No one really knows. You know, why clock parts? Nah, who knows? Um, who is this why guy and how did he fucking make a whole world out of clock parts? No clue. No. But no, that's what no. happened. It's a mystery. Mm-hmm. It's and our story takes place a thousand years since then, as well. Yes. So this has been going, this has happened for quite a while, and we now live on a planet that is made out of machines. Yep. And thus we begin with the uh, happenings of our main character, who was uh, who was named uh, Nato, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, Nato. Yeah, Nato Mura. Naoto Mira, yes, Naoto Mira, who has hearing so good he can visualize even the most minor detail about a clock from meters away. He's mm-hmm. like uh, the basically a super version of the Daredevil, except not a chi- you know, except a child, not blind, and his power only applies to mechanical constructs. Oh well, actually, I, th- I think later on they kind of extend it to all sounds because um. There's a bit where he goes on for a while without his headphones and he gets headaches and stuff from like the noise of people, I think, as well. So I, th- I think it does extend to actually just sounds in general. But he's able to pick out the details so much that he can pick out like the individual cogs in the machines. So like he doesn't just have a good range, but it's like super... He can focus on specific sounds that he wants. So that's particularly useful when your entire world is run on like just infinite cogs and gears and shit. Yeah. Well, uh, soon enough, Nato's life changes as a coffin crashes into his abode, opening mm-hmm. up to reveal a beautiful sleeping woman who Nato quickly identifies as an automaton. And uh, he enjoys the sound of her body until he says, oh, there's an ugly sound within her heart that he uh, shoves a uh, a Phillips head screwdriver into fixes and she wakes up informing us that her name is Ryuzu and mm-hmm. that she was created by Y to act as a guardian on this planet yeah well actually actually that's a misconception that Mari has later on is like Mari thinks that that the Y series is like a series of automata that um Y created the, the initial Y series and you know Mari thought that the entire series is built to look after and maintain the clockwork planet 
But Ryuzu actually corrects her in the same episode saying that actually no, her function is just to serve like the person she deems to be her master, which in this case turns out to be Naoto. So like she says, like they all have like a sub name or at least the ones they reveal in the series have a sub name where it's like hers is like the one who follows. So when she chooses somebody, she's going to follow them forever sort of thing. As like they're on the So yeah, so... She yeah. establishes Naoto as, like, she refers to herself when she goes to school as Ryuzu, your slave. So it's pretty blunt. But um, she registers him in a very uh, um, Studio Zebic sort of way when she registers him as, his, as her master. But after that, the imprinting process is complete and he becomes, like, her owner. Oh, yeah, she, uh, <laughs> she sucks his finger off. Yep, yep. I mean, like, it takes up, like, a few panels in the manga. But like in the anime, they the uh, studio Zebek really wanted to um, reinforce, really drag it yeah, on. like yeah, they, it's like five the, minutes the of her just licking it yeah. and sucking it, and it's just like, yeah, if that was a dick, I wouldn't be able to tell a difference here. She's really going mm-hmm. to town on that. Yeah, so that's the process of <laughs> imprinting or something or whatever to become his his a uh, servant, which is actually really fucking funny because this is not the only character that ends up like registering Naoto as her master, as his as the master of the, the, the two. And in that other time where he registers the other character, the, this this ritual doesn't happen again. Which, not that I'm complaining, don't think I wanted it to happen with a lolly character. It would have been a bit weird, but <laughs> I just thought it was kind of weird that this happens only really with Ryuzu specifically, and it happens to be at the start. And um, yeah, I get the I get the idea that the studio like they probably saw this scene and thought, "Yep, we're making an anime of this." And then they didn't even bother looking at the rest before they started. They're like, "Oh, this scene's in here. Oh, I've, I've got to do this. <laughs> this this is our special. Uh, she, We've done to love Ru." Mm? Ruzu is definitely the more sexual of the two Y series we've come across thus far. Where yeah. even like even after she sucks off his finger, she says like. You know, I am your servant now, and it is my job as your servant to accept all your feelings. And like you see, like a scene of her laying naked, and she's like, "All the feelings." Did you hear all the feelings? And she's basically like, "All right, when do you want to have sex? Tonight or tomorrow?" Yeah, she says that, but she calls him a pervert whenever he talks about like the sound of her gears being nice, which is kind of strange. And like, it, it's it's kind of like a it's there's like a mix because like she has a broken like, the gimmick of her character. She has like a broken voice filter thing, and like in the manga, she's unaware that her voice comes out like her speech comes out as very harsh, and that she always refers to people as like you know you're lesser than an animal, you're dumber than a flea, and she says the same thing to Naoto like oh at best you're just mildly attractive, and when you cry you look even uglier sort of thing. So she's always very mean to people, but it's because of she has like a a, a voice filter on her that doesn't. It doesn't work correctly, so she doesn't speak with any sort of tact to her. But so as a yeah, result, even when, she, when he, yeah, she showed up to his school, which made me like, oh no, it's not going to be a school anime, is it? She's like, it's not a hobby of mine to spend time with mediocre, lower class people. Yeah, yeah, she's like that. And if you read the manga, she's like that way to the teacher. She like makes the teacher cry and leave the room. They they play upon that a lot more. Where it's like, okay, you're reading from the textbook. We should just study at home because obviously you don't know a thing and you don't care take care of yourself very well because you're overweight. And she's just like constantly just rips into people until they leave. So yeah, and then and in the manga also other girls try to approach her and be friends with her, and she's just like, didn't you hear me? I don't want to be friends with anybody. And it's like. Yeah, she's she's got quite a harsh tongue on her. It only only has eyes for Naoto. Um 
Because like yeah. her her goal she, at that point is to try and raise his social standing when she's at the school. She knows yeah. And she does she's very protective of him as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> um he's but it's a it's a reciprocal it's a reciprocal sort of relationship because Naoto actually returns those feelings. In fact he's probably more into it than her, actually, because he like he's he he proposes to her like in episode three. So which like yeah, he, uh, she doesn't say which, she doesn't accept, but she admits that she likes him. <clears throat> like she yeah, it is, it's implied yeah. that she mm-hmm. she accepts, but we never see the the acceptance. Yeah, that's the thing. It's because she's <clears throat> determined because of their their because of their complicated relationship of it being like a servant master relationship. Um, she can't when you when you go into be a couple and you go and be married. She sees that as that means you're equal in standing. But, you know, she doesn't want it to be equal because that's not how she's programmed sort of thing. So she likes him, but she can't actually outwardly confess <clears> it in that way, express it in that way. So, you know, <laughs> hung up on that part oh. at the start. But yeah, she he runs into her and they register. But meanwhile, other stuff is going on with the, well, clockwork. Right. Planet, I guess. Um, yeah. <clears throat> right. So uh, back to that. Uh, Ryuzu's appearance was actually a mistake, however, you know coffin falling through the sky not uh not something that should have happened this is actually a malfunction in the military transport that was carrying her as such the big wigs want her back and they send a blonde lolly and her automaton bodyguard to go and capture her introducing mm-hmm. us to marie belle briguette and uh halter yeah let's just call him yes. halter yeah, Marie is a child genius like clocksmith that works for like this Meister Guild, and the thing is, is that you know the whole world's made of gears and shit, so like it will literally fall apart if it's not maintained. So, along with being able to fix mechanisms, she's like a really young girl, but it's a protege at being able to fix almost anything, and has like a later on it's revealed she has kind of like photographic memory, and then like Vaney Halter is like a, her bodyguard, and he's also a cyborg. Um, yeah. Yeah, and he like he his his contribution to the group is that he's like got the most street smarts and he has the most experience, and they kind of hint in the story that he was a war veteran as well, but they don't really delve much into it, at least in the anime. Yeah, yeah. Well, Marie actually finds Naoto and Ruzu actually pretty quickly. Uh, it is clear, however, that Ruzu being awake is a big game changer. She was not expecting that. Can't take mm-hmm. away that won't that which won't go willingly. So they retreat. Her and Halter. Because Halter's like, yeah, she'd fuck me up. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, it, you know, this is where the part where I was like frightened that'd be turning into a school anime, which thankfully it almost goes away immediately when the military and the government decide to quote unquote purge the entire city because yeah. of some PR resounding, re, you know, surrounding a malfunction within the city's gears. Yeah, this oh, anime so is really forthright of... with how like the army yeah. and the government are all like they're all corrupt, they're mm. all evil, and they all just want to save themselves, save face and stuff. So like, we rather let twenty million yeah. people die than look bad on the news, basically. Yeah, yeah. This event causes Naoto, Ruzu, Marie, and Halter to join forces under the banner of an evil organization to stop the purge and expose the government plot. They accomplish this with the help of Ruzu's superpower of being able to stop time for a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. But uh, they are still branded as criminals and are forced to flee the city nonetheless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is when things go a bit more fantasy than super advanced clockwork technology 
as a final main character is added to the mix. Anchor, the yep. daughter-type character, which is also an automaton and is Ruzu's younger sister. Unlike her sister, though, she was actually intended for combat, sporting yep. a multitude of weaponry and the ability to fend off her sister's attacks even in time, spot, uh, time stop mode. Yeah, exactly, because like, <clears throat> while Ryuzu is like um, labeled as like the one who follows... The anchor is labeled as like one who destroys specifically. So like she's primarily primarily built as a weapon. But like besides that, her personality is your standard like cutesy lolly character, and she refers to like Naoto as her father, and you know Mari is her mother sort of thing, which yep. brings up all sorts of other weird stuff because at that at that point in time, you know Naoto is set on Ryuzu being his wife, but Ryuzu is her sister, so he's like, oh, you know, you should really call me brother. But then she's like, oh, you, I can't call you dad, and he's like, ah, you can call me whatever the fuck you want. You know, because he gives in to anybody as long as they're made of gears. So there's yeah. that. So, and yeah. of course, so, it also makes us worry like, oh, no, they're not going to try to push Marie and uh, Marie and uh, Naoto, and, uh, Naoto yeah. together. Like, right, please don't do Which that. Which they and do thank- in the manga. I'm just going to I'm going to forward you this screenshot. <clears throat> forward you this. So they, they don't do in the kind anime. Of push thank it. God for no, that. They don't in the anime. No, they don't. Um. I don't know. I, I don't think I mind it because I get, like, if the anime, he's got a very one-track sort of mind where, like, okay, he's only for the machines sort of thing. But, like, in the yeah. anime, I mean, in the manga, at least Mari comes across as, like, she's she's better developed in the manga. Um, and I get the idea that there's a potential plot thing where, like, you know, the story will happen. They haven't finished it in the manga form either, but, like, the story will happen, and in the end, maybe something might happen where Ryuzu ends up, like, sacrificing herself or some shit and dies, and then, you know, in the end, he might set, you know, they might develop a relationship instead. You know what I mean? Like, it'll be the unexpected one, and, like, <laughs> I guess I'm describing Ryuzu as, like, his practice girlfriend, <laughs> and then Mari's, like, the real one at the very end. I don't know. I, I could see them doing that route. Do you see that picture I sent? Yep. Yeah. So, that- like... I think yeah. this isn't very much any different from the anime, though. This feels like to me that Marie is interested in Naoto, which I got that in the anime. I got the uh-huh. feeling that maybe she has some feelings for Naoto, but Naoto is just like completely oblivious or it just doesn't care maybe about her at all because he is yeah. only about <clears throat> Ryuzu and Anchor. Right. <clears throat> but yeah, so like the second arc is like them basically rescuing the lolly anchor and getting her to kind of join their side because she's being brainwashed and some shit and like then they discover a big another extra big conspiracy whereby like you know there's gonna be like a giant if you've played Metal Gear Solids free there's like a giant shaggle hog underneath the ground and like it's a giant death machine thing and it runs on electromagnetic energy which this world isn't ready for because if everything's run on met- metal gears <laughs> metal gears if everything's run on like metallic gears and cogs then basically anything that's electromagnetic will disrupt them so emps and stuff and real guns are like the worst enemy of anything that's made of metal in this world so that's kind of right. like the last boss arc it's, it's that technology was that. actually banned they even mentioned a few mm-hmm. times in the anime they're like this is a banned technology it's not supposed to be used because it will basically fucking kill our world don't do it mm-hmm. and but, that's that uh, leads into the other ang- conspiracies you have an angry old man Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looks a bit different in the manga, but yeah, he's got longer hair in this, and he's like, he's wanting to get vengeance, um, because of like you um, know why, 
Yeah, on on why, but also because like they were doing the experiments in the past and like in a, on a segment of the on a gear that was previously purged because you know they mentioned purging earlier on, but like he was on a continent that was purged and it was to cover up his um, electromagnetic experiments, so it's like revenge for that too, and and also why, which I'm a bit confused about because you know why was a thousand years ago, so are they implying that why is still alive? Are they implying that Naruto is why? Are they? I don't know what they're meaning. Well, whatever the it may be possible, because as the anime goes on um, and the Metal Gear uh, final boss is, you know, uh, Rizu actually at one point suffers from the attack uh, yep. of this mm-hmm. creature because she overheats, um, which was actually a mistake on her part. She was supposed to be able to fend it off, but she messed up. Halter actually gets destroyed. The fuck uh, he gets his. I think he's like a head at that point. Um, uh, well, no, the other guy's a head, but the detached oh, right. culture's the head off the of head. him. Yeah, the other guy's a head, yeah. Um, Anchor mm-hmm. killed, like, the scout team that uh, came after her. and yeah. uh, Or, like, no, they were looking through, like, the underground lair, and they ended up bumping into her, and she killed most of them and left the head of this one dude who uh, eventually finds himself in the body of this uh, uh, very busty girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's in both versions. Yeah, where yeah, like he, he transfers uh, he, her, he gets transferred into a a blonde sex bot, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because uh, it's like the cover of the place is that um, one of the people who works for the Meister Guild has like got like this uh, place that's a sc- that's like has a front of being like a, a a typical sleazy kind of club, but on the back he's actually using it as like a black market deal to like sell different parts and automata and all that sort of stuff to. To government workers and to people in the black market, so, you know. He has quite a few of those lying around, which they use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, as this is all going on, and Marie gets her final flash power of being able to, like, use, like, 50,000 different wrenches in every single one of her, you know, like, holding, like, a wrench in every single between each finger, and, like, just, um, like, everything slows down for her. Uh, the, yeah. uh... Like this one tree, I guess it is. It's like a, it's a clockwork tree. Was yeah. uh, the me- mechanism that controlled all the clocks in all of Japan. It gets mm-hmm. uh, d- attacked and basically destroyed by the Metal Gear Final Boss machine. And Naoto and Marie enter the world, the dimension <laughs> of clocks. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, this part. I I was really fucking confused at this part of the anime because, like, I was under the impression the whole point of them coming to this, like, this last area was that, you know, they, they discover that basically everything's been electromagnetized, so you can't run gears when everything's, like, under magnetic fields. So the idea was that they were going to use this tower that controls all the gears to heat up the whole thing because if you put anything to a certain level of temperature, then it removes the electric electromagnetic fields. But then it right, something happens with too. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's a thing about this tree being broken, and they have to repair it, and then it becomes a cherry blossom tree. Uh, and then <laughs> there's a bunch of shit where, like, Naoto talks to um, Mari, and then he's he's just saying all this other stuff like right is wrong, wrong is right, black is white, and left is right, and all this sort of shit. And it's like it's trying to I think it's trying to be smart, <laughs> but like, it's trying I was just, to be like, deep. It's trying when to be it's deep like and really smart. not. It's 
Yeah, it's like, this is the world of gears. Remember, right is left, and the wrong answer is the right answer, and there, and every contradiction makes sense. And I'm just like, are you just trying to tell me that your anime makes sense? <laughs> With, when, the uh, yeah, so they go to this world, and they're, they're both naked floating bodies. Like, they're both, like, these glowing naked... They, they don't have any clothes in this world, and they're just right, waving they're just their naked, hands and making... Yeah. They're standing on a like a timepiece <laughs> clock. Yeah. And they just and start the like moving world, their hands and, and yeah. waving their hands left and right <laughs> and up and down and, and like the tree is magically being recreated. Yeah, it was it was kind of funny because they've got like they're taking this really seriously. They've got like epic music playing, but like the characters are doing all these stupid gestures while like floating in this golden world and gears are just flying everywhere. And like, you know, the viewer's not supposed to like if anything, you can maybe like understand what's happening, but you're not supposed to really interpret what their movements mean. They've never told you anything about like okay, if he gestures his arm like this, the gear moves here. They're just, like, making things appear and just... They're materializing metal out of nothing. So I think you mentioned it in your Rooster Teeth review that this probably is how, at least in the anime, anime's world, I, I've not, I don't think they've covered that in the manga, but that this might be how Y is supposed to... Supposedly have built the clockwork planet, is that he yeah, tapped into this Yeah, this is probably gear. how Y yeah. was able to get a hold of the metal required to build this kind of world. Because I can yeah. tell you now, we don't have all the all the metal in the world right now could not recreate the Earth. Yeah, and you know, actually, you know, it's actually established in the manga at least. <laughs> I'm gonna say that a lot for this review, like oh, in the manga, but no, in the manga, the world is um, the Clockwork Planet is actually way bigger than Earth. Like Earth is kind of like inside the Clockwork Planet, right? And it like the Moon rotates the Earth inside the Clockwork Planet. It uses the gravitational pull of the Moon to rotate it there's like a diagram and the earth is like a quarter of the size of this planet so there's definitely not enough metal on our planet to make that so he had to materialize out of nothing or oh, maybe that would like, actually yeah that might yeah. actually make sense too because the earth in that sense would be a dynamo for the clock yeah yeah it would be kind of like that yes exactly it's it's funny because they don't delve into this sort of stuff as much in the anime like there's not as much world building with like oh yeah this is how this gear works and the moon does this to this and it's like it sounds convoluted and confusing but it's actually quite well described with diagrams and stuff and like good images in the in the manga but they don't really delve into that that's not like the focus of the anime um but yeah, so this gear dimension thing, I as far as I've seen, I don't think this actually happens. That's where it differs from the manga's continuity. I'd be surprised if it does. Like I, I read as far as I could find in English, um, in terms of volumes I could find. But they only get up to the bit where like he's gone shopping with um, Anchor and stuff, and the spider, the giant spider is real. Like <laughs> the, the big, the big uh, shaggle hog Metal Gear thing is real. But I don't know so much about the whole going to the world tree and using the gear dimension while they're in DDR suits and like playing on dance mats to rebuild gears out of nothing and making cherry blossoms form. I don't, I, I don't really get that. But yeah. World yeah. is saved. They're still terrorists. Um, <laughs> and yeah, uh, uh, yeah. What's here? I believe Anchor is hurt like she was going to go and sacrifice herself to destroy the final boss dude but uh thankfully Naoto and Marie were able to repair the tree and fuck up the dude's plans and the only thing that happens to uh anchor is that she loses an arm and a leg which just get replaced yeah 
Yeah, they get replaced. Which, you know, I thought because she's like a rare automata, like apparently it's not 100%, but Mari vows that she'll be able to get her up to 100%. It's funny because I don't know if this was just because of like the dub, because I was actually like the second time watching this, I thought, fuck it, I'll have a look at the dub as well. But as she's jumping off towards that last confrontation, like they're like, oh, Anchor, don't you dare sacrifice yourself. Come back to us. And she's like, yeah, okay. And then she jumps off and she says like initiating self-destruct sequence. But she doesn't self-destruct. So, um... Well, in the, in the anime, her yeah. thing she does is, uh, final maneuver, steel weight, and she, like, grows a halo, and a bunch of these yeah. steel balls fall around her, and yeah. she gets, like, um, horns that come out of her head, which take yeah. on different forms, depending on what, you know, mode she's in, but mm-hmm. in this one now, they kind of look like, uh, kind of look like horns that are just coming out of her head. Yeah, so that might actually just be a fault of the dub because I was like, why would you? Why would she say self destruct if she doesn't actually blow up? You know, like unless I think they were just trying to build up tension there because it's like, you know, is she really gonna die? No, please, there's that'd be terrible. Whatever will we do without this lolly that appeared a few episodes ago? <laughs> like, I don't think yeah. she was actually going to die, but you know, the tension wasn't really there. But yeah, they save her, and also, you know, what's really funny is how they escape at the very end. Like, he they jump out of a building. And they're just like, don't worry, an updraft is going to come and pull us up into the air, you know, because they, they basically jump out of the tower building um, yep. where the tree was. And then they're like, oh, an updraft is going to build, you know, it's going to save us as they're about to hit the ground. And the, like a big updraft does happen because the gears are all working and stuff. And the gears control the climate, the wind, the everything. Um, and that, it blows them to safety. But what's really funny is at this point in time, Walter's brain is no longer in his body. It's in a mech suit, a giant, like, Gundam-sized mech suit. And so this mm-hmm. updraft is not just strong enough to blow up like Nalto and stuff and make them go, woo, we're safe, you know, we're floating now. It's, it's strong enough to, sh- to, to keep the mecha from landing as well. So like if it has enough force to keep the mecha suspended in the air, wouldn't it like blow Marion stuff into the atmosphere? I, I, I guess I'm probably thinking way more than they did, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's the whole thing is that at the end of it, even though they saved the whole fucking Japan and the president knows Marie and Naoto saved Japan, uh, they are still ostracized. They still have to play the bad guys who were the ones yeah. that, you know, did the whole thing in the first place. And they take off on a boat. Yep. They get on a boat. Mm-hmm. Get a boat. They they're not basically pirates. Off. Yeah, they're like pirates now. They're relaxing uh, at the sea on a stealth boat. But, you know... They're still being pursued by probably government people for some reason. Um, I don't know. The, the I don't know how thing, much of that happens. Like manga. what else they could possibly do? And I I thought maybe they'd go and try to track down the other Y series automatons to add to Naoto's yeah. harem, uh, fight yeah. some more corrupt government officials, maybe in America or something, or mm-hmm. maybe just try to see how human Y really made Ruzu. No, I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, I know, I know what you're saying. I, I, I see what you did there. I, I looked at that. I saw it, and I, I got it immediately when I read that. How human is she, really? Um, I bet that's the way Zebek wants it to go, <laughs> Studio Zebek, because uh, you know they, they have a, they have an interest in this sort of thing, and it's like, but it's, it's weird with what, what anime they choose and how far they choose to go in different parts regarding like their fan service choice. You know what I mean when it comes to things like to love Rue and shit like that. When it comes to things like Clockwork mm-hmm. Planet, because um. It's weird because, like, 
I told I mentioned the thing about like the like you mentioned the pleasure bot thing like how she's basically like the the other guy gets put into like a sex bot body and they're like in a strip club sort of thing, and mm-hmm. um, like in the anime, they have like a scene where they walk in there and you know they they see the like how the 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 club actually operates, so like they op- they they take advantage of that with Studio Zebic, but then there's actually a scene in the manga. Whereby, like, you know how the guy who gets put into the body of the the pleasure bot, mm-hmm. he gives this yep. big exposition. But while he's doing it, he's actually on the pool, like doing like a pool dance, and they they <laughs> cut that they cut that out in the anime. So I'm just thinking that there are points like in the anime where it's like, oh, they yeah, they're just gonna exploit the fuck out of this for fan service. Like the whole scene where like Naoto's taking photos of Ryuzu on the beach and like he fought like any scene where he's in the changing room with Ryuzu and like you know falls on her or something like that. That's completely anime original. That doesn't happen in the manga. Like he no, takes photos of her. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that doesn't happen. Studios Epic added those in, but then like, the one scene in the manga, like the one scene where like like I said, the strip club, and is actually like the thing with the pole dance thing. They didn't bother using that, so it's like it's weird because they could have taken advantage of one that was actually in the manga, but they chose not to. Just, just a thought I'd point that out, and there's, there's multiple instances of that where it's like, ah, oh, the manga gives you an opportunity to add in whatever you want to Zebic, because I know you guys want to, I know you guys are, this is your thing, but then they didn't do it, and then at other points they just throw it in there for some reason. So it's it's a bit weird, I will say, the way they dealt with it. But yeah, yeah. Well, the yeah. animation itself is pretty average. It even Ooh. dips down to sub quality level at points. Um, yes. The anime did deal with a lot of mechanical moving parts, all of which were CG creations. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, just that it did contrast pretty distinctly with the regular animation. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pile on top of that because at first, I, yeah, I'm very glad in particular that you wrote about how. Um, it dips down to subpar at times because, uh, in my in my impression, I think that especially since it came out in twenty seventeen, like the standard was much higher at that time. I think that it kind of more often than not fits into the latter, because I mean, like it reminds me of like a while ago when I listened to one of the old podcasts that you were doing. You you talked about an anime called Denpa Kyoshi, and you mentioned yep. something about how like the studio themselves didn't get along with the original creator and they they decided to do a butchered job because of that. I I kind of can't help but get that impression with this anime because like I mean, the manga is not the best thing in the world. You know, I've re- I've read up to like as much as the anime covers pretty much. Uh, I'll just send these two images anyway. But the art style and stuff they've they've changed it quite a bit sometimes to make it less detailed. And the animation itself, it, it, it seems like the key word that comes to me is unspecial because, like with the opening, right? Usually it's like the like the opening tends to have in a, in a show some of the best animation you'll get in a show. Like they'll put like some original stuff in there that you don't get. But for the opening of this show, they, they put a lot of scenes that actually happen in the anime in the opening. Like such as Ryuzu piercing herself in the back, you know, um, Mario operating a machine. Like that's actually in the show. Like they recycle a lot of animation that's just in the show and put it into the opening. And it doesn't feel very special that way. In fact, later on in the second half, they do the same thing. They, they take some more scenes that happen in the second half and they just put it into the opening. And, you know, they don't all have to do this sort of thing where, you know, like, whenever you get, like, a first episode these days where, like, they won't even play the opening. It's just credits and it's just the anime. And then, like, they might put the opening as the first ED 
you know, they might put that there. And then in the very last episode, again, they might not put any opening there. You just get credits over it and it's just like, oh, we're going to make it cinematic and we're going to show you some good animation because it's the end, it's the finale. This show doesn't do that at all. It's just a lot of, uh, it's just a lot of repeated animation. And I mean, it, it, the same thing happens with the action. Um, there's a shot in particular where like Ryuzu does a thing where, um, okay, actually one thing in particular, the very first episode of the show, it's actually takes a clip from later on in the show where like Naoto goes like, oh, enemies coming in like four seconds. And he's like showing his super hearing power and then robots come in. And they, they all kill the robots and stuff. And, you know, like, everybody gets to show off their different powers and abilities. And Ryuzu comes in and cuts them up. They reuse that again later on when that actually happens. Because it's like, oh, you want to know how we got together? Let's go to one month earlier. And then you get to see the whole story. And then it goes to that action scene again. And you, they use that animation again. And then later on, they attack a military base. And then the same thing happens. Ryuzu jumps in. She does a thing where she has these scythes that are attached to her the back of her dress or something. And mm-hmm. she spins around, and it's like a bird's eye view from above, and you just see her spinning around, and it cuts things up. They reuse that same bit of animation at least three times in this anime. And it's like, yeah, I noticed do. that. Yeah, it's like, it feels lazy in that way. And there's like, there's like another big example of like Stormtrooper aim as well, where like there's a bit where, um, like I mentioned earlier on, where Halter gets put into like a mech suit, and the um, other guy who's now in the, you know, that sex bot body, um, they're fighting off the military and they're being attacked by all these other mechas and stuff. And you just see a bunch of laser gun bullets just firing past them. And it's like for, it's not even just for a second, it's for ages. And Halter is this giant mech that's not even moving and they're missing him somehow. <laughs> like, they're still missing. And like, you know, they even have a shot where like, oh no, we're running out of cover. We're getting hammered out here. And I'm just like, you're not getting hammered. They're not even hitting you. They're not even damaging the building behind you that they're shooting because they're missing you. So like the action yeah, the, scenes the are- bad- the, yeah. the guys in that scene went and they uh, they took school at uh, Stormtrooper Academy. Yeah, but, the, but I think they're worse than Stormtroopers because, I mean, at the very least, with Stormtroopers, you could be like, well, Han Solo was running away, so at least he was a moving <laughs> target, you know what I mean? But, like, with the, with Halter, he was a giant fuck-off mech suit that was just standing there, and you still missed him. And you're like a, there's like a, it's not just one mecha or one tank that's attacking them. Like the enemy has got like a huge line of just robots and just death machines. So it really just takes it out of it when they're like, oh yeah, uh, the, 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 the good guys in another earlier scene are just like, wow, here comes some of their best robots. It's a good thing they're in a corridor because that means that they're easier to hit. And I'm just thinking like, dude, you guys are just taking out tanks and shit. Why should I even be bothered or like worried that you guys are going to get out of this okay? Because clearly just one guy is enough to take out a huge army <laughs> in this case. Um, so yeah, the, the animation, that's that's my argument to why the animation like ranges on insultingly bad at times. It's its not great for a 2017 show. I'm, I'm really surprised it's in 2017. Um, so I get that, like I said, Denpa Kyoshi vibe where you're talking about that show where it's like, Maybe they didn't like the makers because, like, you know, the, the the images I sent you have now went through, right? With like, there's some really nice shots in the in the manga where it's like, oh, look how big this is, and then it goes even further back, and you see how big the giant spider is, and it's really cool looking. But it's just not there, uh, in in the anime. It's all very simplified down. Um, feels kind of low budget, like uh, you know, like the shots are standard. It's I guess in some ways it's kind of like what I was talking about with Black Panther earlier on. Where um mm-hmm. like 
the shots are kind of standard. They work. You know, you this person's talking, then the camera goes over to this person, and he's talking. Then the other person goes back and replies. But there's not a lot of, like, cinematic vibes to the scenes. You know, it's just like, we need to get the scene done, and we're not going to add any visual flair to it all. Not much of it stands out, you know. And, and at worst, sometimes the characters feel like they're kind of off-model. Like, they have a drawing model for the characters, but then sometimes their faces feel more flat. Sometimes they feel more squished, but maybe I'm getting a bit more nitpicky when I'm talking about that. Um, I don't know. I could set a bunch of other examples from that uh, manga and stuff, but like, um, t- t- just to say, I think the, the actual character designs themselves are, didn't translate over very well to this version. And that's a bit weird because I feel like Zebek are able to draw better than this. So I feel that they just, they, they, they either had, they had it in Veta, Vendetta or they sent in like their B team for this. I don't know. But, you know, what did you think of, like, the characters? Because I can get into my bit where I start, like, talking about the, the other characters and stuff. And, like, well, actually, we should round up the story. What did you think about the story overall, though? Story overall, it wasn't yeah. completely terrible. I mean, it was kind of original in the sense that, like, the world being a clock and, you know, people living on a new, basically a brand new world, huh. even though, like, as you said, the Earth is basically under everything. Um, and I did like, um, how mm-hmm. they, I didn't really care for all the drama, but I did like the, uh, I did like mm-hmm. our Naoto character being so forthright with Ruzu. Yeah, that was, that was another thing point. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can appreciate how he is very forthright and very straightforward of how he feels in that scenario. But I just like so I would I would concede that I like how he's like you know he's very straightforward he's very like just blunt about how he feels. But the other thing is like the everything else like apart from that aside, what did you think about Naoto as a character? Because I think that's the bit that really like I can talk about most when it comes to this anime is like Naoto himself as the main character. Like apart from that, what do you think of Naoto? Well, he was a pretty average character overall, but everyone knows yeah. I'm a stickler when it comes to genders playing their gender. Guys ah. voice guys, girls voice girls. Yeah, I know how yeah. it sounds, so sue me. But yeah. <laughs> even before I looked up Naoto's VA, uh, Yoshino Nanjo, I knew it was a girl. This just deflated all the points where Naoto was cool and manly for me. Uh-huh. Man, I just wanted more guys who voice male characters that don't suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I... I guess... Uh... I, I mean, he's not the most manly kid character, I guess, so they can kind of get away with it. But I get what you mean, where it's like, there probably are other voice talent out there that were the actual gender anyway, that they could have hired. But maybe it was for name recognition. Maybe the girl, I don't know, maybe the girl who plays Naoto is really famous, so it would have bring a lot of her fans in, I'm guessing. No, maybe. Yoshino sure. Nanjo has done stuff like, um, she was... Oh. Uh, she was let's see here something recent that she made that we have gone over uh now she did a lot of like magical girl stuff oh okay so like i guess a lot of the fans of magical girl stuff wouldn't necessarily yeah, translate to Tari was milky holmes she was oh, okay. in uh, love live she was she was maya from a certain scientific railgun Maya, Maya Atsu, Atsu, Awatsuki. I 
don't know who that is. One second. Uh, Maya. Let's see here. Railgun. She was in Magical World or War. She was in uh, Piri Pira, Classroom uh-huh. Crisis, Senki Zesho, uh-huh. Sinfo Gear GX. Um, yeah, she's been a lot of like girls in mm-hmm. you know. She was in Kanan. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, she. It looks like most of her stuff has to do with like, like younger girl in a fighting, uh, you know, martial ah. fighting magical scenario. That's probably why that might be one of the reasons she got hired because that, like, for all intents and purposes, this is partially an action show, I guess. So she's a girl who can do a boy's voice, presumably, and also has experience in doing action scenes. I guess that's probably maybe why the basis in which she got hired for this, but. Honestly, the, the case in point, if I'm going to justify my rating for this show, I, I'm going to have to complain about Naoto for a bit, at least for a little bit. Um, okay. Okay, so humor me for this. I really don't like this guy. I, I think I think he ruins a lot of the story for me. Uh, I'll see, so see if I can get you to sort of agree. Uh, the anime adaptation, to summarize, like, um, I think the manga version's a little bit better Like for most of the characters, although I, I will say like some characters turn out better than others but Naoto suffers the most when they translate it from manga to anime like for instance you know Halter like the the main yeah. the, the, the big guy he gets almost no yeah. development in the anime but they delve more into like scenes of like him dealing with like you know the like he has more senses of being like a war veteran and he knows all the battle tactics of like you know tactics of negotiation tactics of keeping this and all that sort of stuff that's that's kind of cut out of the anime completely but for the most part his character is maintained Mari kind of come kind of comes across as kind of annoying in the anime and kind of whiny but like in the manga she's a bit more kind of like in control most of the time like that that image I, I just sent you is like lots of guns being pointed at his head and that's how he feels when he's first descending into that area where Anchor is because he's sensing the danger mm-hmm. um but Naoto I think suffers the most um and that's probably because um What's his name? I suppose the first thing would be laziness. Like, he's he's kind of like, he gets by in this anime from just using his unique talent of hearing everything, and he relies on Ryuzu to kind of do the rest, you know. And that's not necessarily a detriment, but it's like a master-servant relationship, you know, that's been explored in other anime, like if you've heard of, like, Black Butler or, like, Helsing, as examples of, like, this master-servant sort of relationship. And those ones, especially like something in like Black Butler that had like two seasons, they focused on four other relationships that parallels like the main, the master and the servant sort of relationship. And what they do is they try to reinforce that not only is Sebastian, the demon butler, like strong, but his master himself has also got a very unique, indomitably strong soul. Like he's like, he's baked in tragedy, but he's still untainted. And in Helsing, Alucard is like the most powerful thing on earth. He's like fucking like a nuclear bomb of like a vampire but he respects and is like enthralled by integra helsing because she's got a human resolve that even a monster like him can respect you know i don't get much of that with naoto and ryuzu though you know like he likes her because of her body more specifically what she's made of and she likes him strictly because of his talent and nothing else really i mean at least that's the basis of how their relationship starts off I mean, it's reinforced reinforced in one of the skits in the manga, wherein like Naoto really harshly judges, like he like I will send you this image here. Like Naoto really harshly judges and picks apart like um Mari's body, 
and stuff and says things like, oh, you know, like her, your body is going to get saggy and wrinkly, and but Ryu's, Ryu's body is perfect and will never age. Despite, like, being a man who, like, his senses allows him to hear what's on the inside, he makes a lot of surface-level judgments, you know? If you know what I mean. And, you know... Yeah. Putting, you know, while he's doing this harassment, I think I've, I've sent the image. Oh, it's not sent yet. But like, while he's doing this harassment in that in the manga, it's kind of a jokey skit. Like, Mari sort of just ignores this, puts this aside, and is just like, "Hey, look, here's my FBI badge. It's not really FBI badge, but you know what I mean. Like, I, I think the Im- one of the images went through. Both of them have. Um, she's just like, "Here, have a look at this badge. I'm I'm a good guy. You can follow what I need to do." While he's saying all this kind of crazy stuff, you know. Uh, so. To put this in context, I think the show, you know, he kind of reminds me of an anime I watched a year back, a few years back, called, like, Chobits, in which, like, some asshat kidnaps the main heroine, robot girl Chi, because he's solely interested in her body. Naoto kind of reminds me a little bit of him, not as bad as him, though, because that guy was just a complete creep, but, you know, he's he's getting on that track, because he's like a kid, and he's already, like, making these sorts of judgment calls. Of course, that, that clip I sent you there on Skype is exclusively in the manga. But, like, in both versions, okay, Naoto has, like, a one-track mind. He's only interested in machines, um, and there are subtle differences in how they're presented, but, like, manga Naoto is much more, in- you know, has much more of an emphasis on his eccentric, almost, like, uh, to a level of him having, like, a social disability. In his introduction, we don't just see he is subject of bullying, but he's also so obsessed with machines that he's kind of unaware that he's even being bullied. So, like, he's kind of like a weirdo by, you know, like, because everyday people, like, watch him, like, raid garbage dumps for, like, spare parts. But in, in the manga Naoto, he's kind of, like, disconnected. He's a complete weirdo, which, does, which doesn't really justify, but explains that outburst I just sent you where he, like, you know, says right. those things about Mari. You know, it, justif- it doesn't justify it, but it explains him being a bit of a weirdo. Uh, because he is so disconnected in the manga, um, but yeah, but you know, and it's it's further reinforced by this other image where like you know he's talking about he's first blaming her for like you know the coffin falling through his roof and saying like because of you my house that my parents like my deceased parents left me is now destroyed I've lost everything I don't have money money anymore and I'm homeless but thank you very much because you know he got a robot in the end of the day so he's thankful but you know that's that adds to that eccentric side of him you know uh, so like it's justified there. But, like, in the anime, like... Wait a second. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, in the anime, though, he comes across more as, like, an obsessed fan. Because in the manga, he lives and breathes machines. But in the anime, he's kind of just, like, more of a fanboy, I kind of get. Because they skip the bullying scene and him rummaging through the scrap. And they just... The first scene that they establish him in is the same, like, that's shared with the manga is him going home and he fawns over his collection of machines and he reads this magazine on the couch before Ryuzu drops through his roof. And, like, while in the manga, they pursue, they, they portray him as, like, he's already actually active. He was already building an automaton at the very start of the, of the manga, you know? And that's not in the anime. So, like, he's, like, decided to put the grind in. He's actually working. He's starting to build his own thing. He's passionately, like, really, like, set on this goal. And he was, like, he's going to get back into it after he had this bath before, like, the thing happens and, like, his house gets destroyed. So, like, you get the idea that the manga one is, like, he lives and breathes what he does, whilst the anime one is just kind of like, ah, I like this thing, and I'm gonna do it. But, you know, other than that, and this may be getting a little bit deep, but, like, I just don't think he's a great fit for this kind of story. Um, 
because like Clockwork Planet is kind of a shonen-y sort of style story. You know, it's named that like it's kind of aimed at a male teen demographic. I think you'd agree. Um, and Naruto kind of lacks the traits necessary to being kind of compelling in this regard. Um, like he doesn't have any long-term goals and has like a one-track mind and what he wants to get done on a moment-to-moment basis. But like he doesn't develop like other characters in this sort of story would develop. And this wouldn't be essential if he was like a mentally complex guy, but you know, he doesn't have ambiguous motivations. He's very easy to understand. So like, there's not much there. And this makes it especially dumb when like, like in the anime, I think you'll probably remember this, but like there's a bit where he talks to like the final boss underground. And the final, you know, this is before everything happens. And the final boss guy is like, you know, what's the point in this world? Have you ever, have you ever thought about like why this world is like not worth fighting for and giving up on everything and stuff, you know? And like, he gives a very Shonen-esque answer saying like, oh, you don't speak for all people. Uh, we won't give up just because you've given up. You know, he does that sort of thing. But like, this is the same guy who didn't give a shit about 20 million people possibly dying until he heard that Ryuzu has a little sister. That's the only thing that actually gets him to, like, motivated to go and save everybody at the start. Was that, oh, wait, Ryuzu has a little sister. Damn, I want to meet that Emoto. <laughs> like, there's, there's even more emphasizes a funny skit. And, like, there's another time where, like, the manga version kind of comes out better because manga him is kind of like, oh, you know, I'm insecure and stuff, but anime him is not so much insecure. He just doesn't give a shit about other people. But, like, manga one also just feels a bit mentally beaten down, and they have these these skits of him being isolated and stuff, like, socially isolated, that kind of reinforce that. That's just cut out of the anime entirely. I guess they wanted to fit more into their 12 episodes, but, you know, they reused a lot of animation, so I feel like they could have fit something in there. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I just feel like he's not humanized as well. But also, like, finally, I don't think the chemistry between the crew is very good as well. You know Ryuzu? Like, even, like, the main one that, you know, he likes that robot sort of thing? Mm -hmm. She says this whole thing, like, oh, yeah, I trust him entirely and stuff. Like, I think you'll probably remember this bit. But, like, they need to basically possibly, like, use a human as a shield to stop Anchor from, like, killing somebody. Because, like, they find out that Anchor can't harm people. And so, like, he comes up with a plan where, oh, if you want to be Anchor, just use me as a shield. And Ryuzu's like, oh, you know, you, no, I wouldn't put you in danger sort of thing. But he's like, nah, I don't intend to die and stuff. So, like, if you trust me, you'll do this sort of thing. But, like, Ryuzu keeps giving the spiel about how she trusts him. And, like, yes, I would, repair, I would repay my debt to him by trusting him with this. But in the end, she doesn't trust him because she used Mari as a shield instead anyway. She, like, she tricks Mari into coming along and uses her as a shield to get Anchor to stop attacking. So, like, yep. she, she either trusts him or she doesn't trust him because, like, she's like, oh, I trust him, but this is insurance. So it's like, well, if you really did trust him, you would have actually followed his plan and followed it to the letter, to be honest. Like, I'm sure it or means that you like him. Or, it's possible like, that she likes him that much that she just couldn't bring to bear herself to use him as the shield. Yeah, I, I guess that's, I know that's what they're going for, but, like, this also kind of like makes the group doesn't feel like okay right fine she likes him the most but at the end of the day this whole thing is like they've got a group of four people like they're they're like well okay until the little lolly joins in but that's like at the end but the idea is like you know when you have like this group of like misfits they're all like very strong personalities they're very different people but you know they mesh well together like i guess it's like the breakfast club or something like that where it's like they're all from different walks of life but then they mesh together and then depending on which members you have in the same room 
all sorts of different conversations and stuff would happen. But like, you don't get that explored in this, where it's like, Ryuzu likes Naoto and maybe her little sister. She's okay with her little sister. But like with everybody else, she's incredibly dismissive towards. Um, we don't really get a scene with Halter and Naoto. Like, we don't get to see a lot of combinations with the other characters with each other. So I didn't get, like, in the manga, I got a better sense of this, like, because there's scenes of them actually bonding a bit more. But in anime, I didn't get a sense that this group was, like, a unit. So, like, when, like, we're getting towards the end and the group gets reunited and stuff, like, or at least to the second half of the anime, where, like, they get separated and they get reunited, I wasn't feeling, like, I should feel like a big, yeah, the team's back together, we're going to go defeat the boss. I, I, I was not very hyped, I guess you could say, for the end. When that was happening, so I think that was another thing that they they just fell by the wayside is that the chemistry just wasn't there as much for me. I don't know. Like I've I've been ranting on quite a bit. Um, do you have any? <laughs> I don't know. No, no. Uh, I got my. I think I got everything that I needed to get in edgewise. Oh yeah. Um. I mean, was was there anything I said there that felt like it was like? Did I go? too far or do you think that was do you agree with what i was saying but or no 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 okay cool i mean look at this clip here like after they've saved the the clock tower thing right naoto was like ecstatic as well in the manga he's like yay save the day save the world and stuff and like when when mari does the thing in the manga like he's he's like wow he's impressed by her and there's these moments where it feels like they're they're impressed and they're supporting each other and the anime he's just like yeah, you're kind of good. Yeah, I get you. Like they're very just passive aggressive towards each other. So when they're doing that supportive thing at the end, I don't feel like mm, they're a good team. I want to see these guys work together and be a team. Like I don't, I don't feel that towards the end. It's just like a bunch of guys who have a have a reason to be together. But that's that's about it. Like, they're just they have a mutual goal. Yeah, but I think that's my piece really overall. Okay, I went on way too long. Then sorry. <laughs> our yeah yeah our uh our final scores for this uh as for me i'm gonna be giving it a netflix netflix uh yep. i'll go one lower <laughs> I, I i think i'm gonna give it a burn it um really yeah I, I give it, because the thing is is that like everything it does the manga does better i think personally and and, and it takes less of your time and i've watched when I watched it twice, I just couldn't get it. I just like, no, <laughs> I was I wasn't feeling this anime. I'm afraid. Um, so would you say the hmm? the manga is only a, um, what is the the rating system for manga? Oh, what is the what they what did what is the read I don't it know what read it now is the top tier. Okay, uh, read it at borders. I believe is like the Netflix it thing. Um. I think right. wouldn't kick it out of bed for crackers is also the thing oh. for the manga. Okay, uh, I get, yeah, I give it a Netflix applies. or whatever or Borders then in that so case. You, so you give manga. it a Borders. Yeah, I think the manga is like it's not the best thing ever, but it's like you know it's readable. The characters are okay, the story's all right, you know, the art style's fine. But it's not the be- It's not like I'm not like a read it now. Yeah, this is the best manga. It'll change your life. That's why I guess I'm not too insulted and I wasn't too angry at the anime. Was that it didn't ruin a masterpiece because the manga's not a masterpiece either. <laughs> but like, oh Zebek, you could have done so much better. What? <laughs> I don't actually wait. I don't even watch many anime by Zebek, so I don't know if they can do much better actually. But 
No, I, I was not impressed it's for Twice. Yeah, I don't know much of their work. I guess they did To Love Rue. I didn't watch To Love Rue or anything else they've done, so... I don't know if this is disappointing or just their standard. I don't know. I've, I've seen clips of, like, To Love Rue and I thought they looked okay, so I thought maybe they would do a better job here. It was weird. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think this was a little bit on the subpar part. Yeah, so, I guess, I think for all those reasons, like, there's almost no reason to go at it for the anime. When the manga takes less time and is better than it, in my opinion, so, yeah, I'd, I'd give it a burn it. Alright, so, Netflix and a burn it for Clockwork Planet. And, uh, that does it for our joint, our second joint review ever. Uh, kind of a long-running show. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, uh, two hours and... Oh Jesus! Gonna run Is a it? Bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. I I yeah, next time we so, do a joint one, I'll try to like cut down on the other stuff then, knowing that joint stuff can go longer. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in any case, uh, I thank everyone for listening, for tuning in, sticking around, and uh, making it. If you made it through all the ranting, uh, congratulations! <laughs> you can now enjoy a cookie at home, if you have a cookie. Yeah. Uh, but until next time, keep watching, keep listening, and keep the anime love strong. <laughs>